Welcome back to Word of God. We're three English majors who have set out to analyze Supernatural now that it's done to figure out what was it supposed to be, what did it become, and how. I'm Ash, the old-time fan. My pronouns are vimvimvimself, or it itself. Uh, and you can find me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash ashcommaman. I'm Emma, the latecomer. I use she, her, and they, them pronouns. And you can follow me on Tumblr at LazarusEmma. I'm Wyatt, the newcomer. I use he, him pronouns, and you can follow me on Twitter at Topple Thrones, and I got a new microphone. <laughs> um, and you can follow the show on Twitter and Tumblr at Word of Godcast. I think I might have said that wrong in the last episode. There is no S. It's Word of Godcast. Okay, so I'm also doing the first synopsis, uh, but today we're going to talk about Hookman, Bugs, and Home. Hookman opens with a pair of young women in their dorm room. Lori is going to be our final girl for the episode. She's obviously a very modest girl, and her friend Taylor is uh, more wild, sexual, and notably, she's also a black woman. Mm -hmm. Lori is trying on outfits for the party she's going to with her boyfriend. Uh, Taylor convinces her to wear a more revealing, risque shirt, and we cut to the couple in their car under a bridge on a lonely road. We all know where this is going. Um, they start kissing, he gets a little touchy-feely and pushy, uh, and they're interrupted by the sound of metal scraping from an invisible force outside their car. Uh, it gets gradually closer, and Rich, the boyfriend, goes out to investigate. Eventually, the scraping uh, gets closer to the car, and it's eventually on the car. Lori flees and looks back to see her boyfriend dead, slashed, and suspended upside down over the car. It's great. The visual it is great. Mm. It's very good. The classic girl screams cut to the title sequence. It's fantastic. Yes. Uh, Sam and Dean investigate, noting how this murder mirrors the famous Hookman legend. Um, they pose as transfers to the university and go to the church where Lori's dad is the head priest. Um, I assume he's Catholic because he's wearing green. But I also don't know anything about Christianity. The boys awkwardly sit uh, in on the sermon, and while Dean distracts the reverend, Sam gets information from Lori. They head to the library for some research and find out that a preacher named Jacob Carnes was tried for the murder of those who committed sins of the flesh with his hook hand. Uh, we cut to Lori and her father having an argument over Taylor's influence on her. Lori's angry at her father for trying to control her, uh, and then she goes to her room. She wakes up the next morning to find Taylor uh, killed in bed and very creepy writing on the wall. Um, in blood. We'll get to that. In blood, made with a hook. Dean and Sam investigate the room and find the symbol carved into the wall confirming the ghost to be Jacob Carnes. Uh, Dean heads to the cemetery to burn the bones while Sam watches Lori's house. She and her father are having a fight because her father is having an affair with a married woman, exposing his hypocrisy. Uh, Lori tells Sam all of this, and when her father calls her inside, she gets angry, and the hookman appears, uh, attacking him, trying to kill the reverend. They find that the bones are not what Carnes is attaching his spirit to, but instead the hook. Uh, they discover it was donated to the church after Carnes' execution, where it was reforged. This felt like cheating to me. Mm -hmm. In terms of, like, I feel like melting something down... Mm -hmm. And using it for something else is enough to destroy the sympathetic I know, connection like to the object. I know, like they melt it as a way to destroy it. So why is yeah. melting yeah, it not enough exactly. to destroy it the first time? Exactly. It did not make sense. It's, it doesn't make any sense, like, in terms of the metaphysics of how this works. But whatever. It's dramatic, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, that night, while Lori and her father are at the hospital, uh, Sam and Dean search the house and the church, burning any silver they can find. 
Uh, Sam finds Lori in the church and discovers that she blames herself for everything happening around her. She says she's the one who deserves to be punished, and the hookman appears to attack her. Dean discorporates him with a rock salt shotgun. I believe this is the first time we see the rock salt shotguns, too. Uh, they used it once earlier, I think. I believe you. I just don't know. And they find out that Lori's necklace was made from the silver Karn's hook was made of. They burn it, destroying the hookman, and Lori thinks Sam in the way that women usually think Dean. A uh, very interesting character flip there. I have notes on that. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, they used it. They used it uh, when the dad was under attack in his house. Oh, okay. Uh, so this Dean, episode is the Dean first shot, time we see it. Yeah, this episode is the first time we see it. Dean shot at the ghost multiple times in this episode. Mm -hmm. uh, and the boys drive off to rock music as usual. I think this episode is very hard to take seriously. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> For yeah. a pretty obvious reason. The premise is man door, hand to car door. It's extremely <laughs> silly as, like, pop culture goes. Like, there is an urban legend that they're basing this off of, but it also is more well-known, or at least in certain circles is more well-known, for the, like, garbled copypasta version. Mm -hmm. When did that copypasta start spreading? I don't know the history of the phrase, but it's much more likely that somebody who knows it would think of it before thinking of the actual, like, scary story. According to Know Your Meme, it came from yeah. 2012 from Yeah, Fortune. okay, so Mandor Hand Hook Car Door is much later than this episode came out. Yeah, they couldn't know. Okay. Like, it was a, it's been a very popular campfire story since, like, the 70s or whatever. So I, I just threw out 70s. I did not do my research on this. Watching in a post-2012 world. Yes, in a post-2012 world, it's much harder to take seriously. Mm -hmm. However, I really liked this episode. I thought it was yeah. a lot of fun. It's very fun in the same way the Mary, the Bloody Mary episodes are fun, where they just kind of take on urban legends yeah. and kind of yeah, address those in the fiction. Yeah, and it worked, as far as ghosts in this setting appear to work, we're getting more and more the idea of, like, ghosts appear to feed off of or react to guilt in mm -hmm. most cases. I guess less so with the woman in white, but... Dead in the Water, uh, Bloody Mary, and this, we've all had ghosts responding to ideas of guilt and of, like, people regretting actions or people being, uh, I guess this one was less about regret and more about a character, uh, more about, like, feeling sinful or feeling, um, uh, <sighs> Because it's not guilt. Her being upset at her dad is not guilt, but like mm -hmm. her being unsure of herself and her identity versus like the morality she was raised to espouse compared to what her friends in the sorority house are uh, like saying is the right way to live or like is the way that they think she should live. And the fact that she's torn between that. I feel mm -hmm. was a, at least not handled great, but was at least an interesting thematic undertone for this episode to have. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this yeah. is the first episode with like specifically religion brought in. Yeah, um, which obviously yes. we're going to get back to in one twelve faith, and I'm looking forward to that too next week. But um, yeah, this one is the first where we have like righteous morality fueling the monster. Obviously, air quotes around righteous. Yeah, mm -hmm. uh, I'm gonna also say that we're probably going to talk more about ghosts and what fuels them with home. Um, oh, yeah. Guilt yeah. does not necessarily play into that, but definitely That's like true. the history of a space and the psychic energy within that space. 
before I forget, this episode is written by John Siobhan, um, who also did Skin last session. And I said last week that I didn't know his name, and since then have realized that he is, in fact, executive producer, or was at the time, and co-executive <laughs> producer, maybe. But um, his name is in the title credits every episode, and I just didn't recognize it. But he also wrote this episode. Valid. Um, so, starting off with the dorm room scene, I feel like there's a lot here, even though it's like literally about 45 seconds. First thing I, I wrote down is who wears heels in their own damn dorm room. Oh, I because I'm pretty about sure that. Taylor yeah. is wearing heels. The way she walks and the sound that she makes. Taylor she is so floor. much. Yeah, yeah, there's so much happening. And all credit to that actress, but the the line where she says, "Damn, girl, he's not gonna know I hit him," was oh, is I have to laugh yeah. literally every time I see it. It's just so awkward. It wouldn't surprise me if they wanted her to be like more urban, stereotypical AAVE, yeah. and she was like, "No, <laughs> not gonna do that." Yeah, it did feel like they wanted a specific delivery that she didn't give them. Yeah, which, you know what? Good. I mean, the the line where, um, as I l immediately forgot her name, as the main character is leaving, she's like, there's nothing you wouldn't do, and Taylor just kind of, like, smiles. She's like, that's true. Like, you didn't even need that mm -hmm. line. She could have, uh -huh. like, she didn't also, have to Lori. say that. Lori, Lori is her thank name. You. <laughs> mm -hmm. This, I think this scene is what 40-year-old men think college girls do in their dorm rooms. And Dean, when they apparently. when they think when they think that they're not giving each other sexy pillow fights. Yes, yeah. I was gonna say they lampshade that later with Dean's perspective of what a sorority house is. Yeah, and like from Dean, it kind of makes sense. Mm -hmm. Like that's his his perspective on women in general, and like I I know that that stereotype. Uh, it was shoved into my face when I was a kid. It was very early 2000s, which, looking back, like, it makes no fucking sense. Who has no. a pillow fight in their underwear? But, like, this scene was less, like, I can't wave it away as being, like, yeah, of course that's what Dean thinks, because this is literally, like, textually how it's presented. And it's, like, I know that people do the whole, like, outfit thing when they're nervous about a date, but just, like, the way they talk and the way they interact is very much, like, you know when you watch a, a high school show and you're yes. like, the person who wrote this has not been in high school since like <laughs> 1965? Yeah. yeah, that's how it how it feels to me. And and I guess to their credit, I've never been in a sorority. Um, I also do not go to a party school. I think regardless, it was corny. <laughs> yeah, it was very corny and very much male gazy and seemed mm -hmm. like, you know, I'm sure you have women in that room. Did you not ask them? Probably not. Yeah. So it just seemed very, very strange. There was, there was some like good Dean morsels in like regards to college in this episode mm -hmm. that I liked, mm -hmm. uh, especially after Skin and us getting that like, oh, he's jealous of you for having gone off and had this life. There's a bit where they're researching in the library and Dean says, this, this is how you spent four good years of your life. And Sam says, welcome to higher education. Uh, mm -hmm. But then later, there's the there's the pillow fight joke, and also when they're at the party, um, he's basically like, "Oh, if this is what college was like, this seems like fun." It is like very much enjoying the party, um, mm -hmm. and Sam's like, "Well, this isn't this isn't what I did." And Dean's like, "You're so boring." Yeah, I think Dean. Just thinking back on my own high school experience, Dean definitely has the like stereotypical romanticized media sized perception of college. Yeah. That yeah. a lot of my friends kind of fed into and espoused. 
That's because he all he does is watch movies when he's yeah. not hunting monsters. Yeah. It's I think it works because it's in character for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's the bit where they get like busted with a shotgun and he talks the sheriff down to a fine. He's like, yeah, yeah. I told him you mm-hmm. were a dumbass pledge and being hazed. You look like a dumbass pledge. It was great. Mm-hmm. He says he, he he told the sheriff the truth about like hunting ghosts with rock salt, and he's you know brushes it off as a hell week prank. This was the one one of the few times where Dean being bad, like Dean is not actually bad at lying. That was a good mm-hmm. lie because he just he did the thing you do, which is you tell the truth a little yeah. bit. Let's see. I'm trying to think uh, if there's anything else about the dorm scene that I want to talk about. Uh, they have a cute sign on their door. I like oh, that. Yeah, they, they had a little bit of yeah. set dressing. It, it says nice. Laurie and Taylor. That's something I know that colleges do. Yeah, it's like a little, and it's like a little uh, handmade yeah. like poster paper. It's very cute. Like marker sign. It's cute. It's very a cute. touch of personality to the set. You like you can already tell that these girls are like really good friends. Which which it's the fact that the fact that Laurie was apparently so against. Uh, what, I guess, the sort of person Taylor was, like, nudging her to be, that her own repressed, like, emotions are what got Taylor killed sucks, yeah. though. It's so, it's so weird and complicated because I feel like the show is trying to give us red herrings in a way that, like, makes it very difficult to draw a cohesive character thread, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, yeah. Clearly, she wanted to live her own life and wanted to kind of let go of that, like, the good Christian girl thing. But also, she was uncomfortable with the pressure she was uh, being given by Taylor and by Rich. Which is understandable, yes. but also, you're just turning you're turning Taylor more into a into a, a plot driver mm-hmm. than, like, an actual character yeah. who matters. She exists yeah. as a corrupting force who gets killed. Yeah, mm-hmm. yes. Which, the racism just of everything mm-hmm. to do with that is just so gross. Like, the fact that she is sexualized, the fact that she is, um... Condemned for sexuality. Yeah, like, she's literally killed for yeah. her sexual freedom, and, like, the sexualization of black women's bodies and things like that, and then her corrupting the virtuous white virgin is, like... Mm-hmm. Oh, one final thing about the the Dean College thing is when they're talking about the the salt buck shot. Um, Dean brings that up, and Sam says, "You and Dad think of this." And Dean says, "You don't have to be a college graduate to be a genius." And I'm like, "Is has really no one else thought of this before? Like, are you just are you just posing here, Dean? Like, this feels like it would be a common hunter tactic. Maybe it is, but they're so isolated they didn't, they think they invented it on their own." That's that's true. That's fair. Like John has been on hunts with other hunters. Like if there was a ghost involved, they would have Roxal. You know when they mm-hmm. when the boys finally start meeting up with other hunters, nobody's surprised when they say, "Yeah, shotgun with Roxal." They're just like that. That's just part of mm. hunting. It's also very funny that Sam doesn't know about the Roxal. Apparently, like did they not hunt ghosts with him around? Did they not think of it until then? What? Why would he not know that? Did it take them 17 to 20 years of hunting to figure out that they could shoot ghosts? Yeah, that's also, that's also You know weird. what I bet happened? I bet, like, Dean, as a teenager, like, took a bag of salt and, like, threw it at the ghost and discorporated the ghost. And John's like, hey, that's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> While we're also talking about the uh, early half of this episode... 
Uh, I think it's very funny that they just enroll in the frat. We're like, yeah, we're here. Mm -hmm. Uh, it seemed like, seemed like there would normally be more procedures for that, but no, they just, like, they come just in and out. hang out. Oh, while we're talking about that. Meet that guy painting himself yeah, blue. painting himself all purple. Uh, Dean refuses oh, to paint that guy, but he's also, like, watching closely enough that he can tell that Sam misses a spot. Extremely intricate rituals. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Also, he's like, Sam's the artist, which, uh, which is true, as we, I can't remember if, uh, it's in episode uh, nine where we first see Sam like drawing oh, yeah. stuff. Yeah, he's sketching out the trees. Uh, or whether yes. it happened before, but yeah. So moving on to like the the murder scene, I guess. First of all, very good, very creepy. The the slow approach of the ghostly like scraping. Yeah, I like the the hook man and the the scraping a lot. Rich is a creep. Yeah, my notes say she said no. Yeah, I was literally like, maybe the hook man just wanted to kill her creepy boyfriend. Yeah. The Hookman did nothing wrong the... until yep. Taylor. Like, mm-hmm. the first ten minutes, the Hookman is innocent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, I don't know, I feel like it's accurate to real life. People are like that. They like to pressure people, and especially mm-hmm. when the person is um, uncomfortable with it or religious and for, you know, whatever reason practices chastity. There's a lot of uh, social room for pressuring, so it felt accurate, but I was still, like, Fuck this guy. Yeah. 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 I wrote Rich is an asshole. Glad he's yeah. dead. It's also like 2005 college boys. Oh, I'm absolutely yeah. sure that that goes on all the time. College yeah, it's frat not a bad boys, scene because it's unrealistic. It's a bad scene because it's uncomfortable to watch. Yeah, which is good. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's not like it shouldn't have been written. That's the plot. It's a good scene. It's just like the whole time I was like, fuck this guy. I hate him. Which is good because I think we were meant to, or we were meant to unsympathize mm-hmm. with him. Yes. Yeah. And then I love how uh, she hypes herself up to get out of the car. That felt very real to me, where she goes, okay, uh-huh. okay, okay. And then she gets out and runs. Like, that's me, dude. I have to hype that myself up to go to the grocery store. I would have just driven away. I would have stayed in the car and driven away. That's fair, but then she couldn't have seen her dead boyfriend. Yeah, no, absolutely. I just, braver than me getting out of the car. Yeah. Uh, when the boys show up, there's like the, one more time, why are we here? type of expository dialogue oh, yeah. which i made a note of because it's it's so yeah. lazy there's no other way to do it really but it's it's, not it stands out every time yeah they do it again in home just when they're talking about the the reason for the murder or like who did it they someone mentions a drifter like quote-unquote drifter passing through mm-hmm. and i wrote that down because that's such like small american town excuse for a murder and is almost never true yeah hmm. Very Downton Abbey. It's like, oh yeah, an outsider did this. Nobody here would. Yeah. Yeah. Very yeah. much like not recognizing the fact that most violent crime is is done from within the community, if not from like literally yep. within the victims' like close circle. Which I thought was like a good thing for this episode to do because the drifter thing obviously isn't true, and it is like from a thing in the history of this community. Mm-hmm. So the church scene, uh, very very much. Um, uh, I wrote down that Sam has to, like, nudge Dean to pray. Like, everyone else is lowering yep. their heads, and Sam, mm-hmm. like, whacks Dean, like, why are you not? Sam the good boy, as always. Quote-unquote good Sam boy. Sam is the one who prays, and Dean doesn't bother. Mm-hmm. Which, again, we'll get mm-hmm. back to in next session. Yes. Um, the the reverend, uh, during his sermon, he says, I believe he died trying to protect my daughter. 
I was like, sir, that is a fucked up thing to say in front of your daughter who's literally just lost her boyfriend and his parents who are probably also sitting in the congregation. Like, he's like, I, you know, basically like, thank God he died protecting her instead of like the other way around. And I'm like, I don't think that's how what? it was. Take- yeah. I didn't hear it like that. I, was, I took it, I think the way he meant it, where it was like, I assume that he was doing something brave as opposed to <laughs> trying to assault yes. her. It's, it's... It's it was like kind trying of to thank him for awkward, his sacrifice type but... of thing, even though it's obviously, all, first of all, yeah. not what happened, and second of all, still not a great thing to say. Yeah. It's a very masculine way to eulogize someone of like, oh, the man died protecting a woman, and thus his death is heroic. Yeah. Which, like, I mean, I guess it's heroic to die protecting someone, like, no matter what, yeah. but, like, still, it's it's very, it's, it's using the dead in mm-hmm. a way to be like, ah, oh, yes, this brave death more i'm just thinking like imagine how they all felt hearing that and like like i don't think that would be comforting at all i guess it depends right like it's i can see it being more comforting to know that uh someone died for a reason rather than no reason at all yeah i also noted that dean looks very uncomfortable in the church that's because they shut the door really loud yeah exactly uh very much the jewish dean is becoming a thing that sentence came out really weirdly. Um, <laughs> he does. He does go like that. Was an inspiring sermon and is very charismatic to the preacher. Yeah, he's, but that's just him he's drawing him away to that Sam Kinsella yeah, yeah, he knows how to talk to religious yes. figures, but I think that An comes more figures. from. Yeah, I think that comes more from the job rather than like any actual understanding mm-hmm. he has for for at least that side of religion. And then Sam goes into detective mode with yeah. Laurie, which I continue to like. I like that they're, they have like a, almost a game plan or like a play that they always do of like Dean's the distraction, Sam's the detective. Mm-hmm. It's because he's got those puppy eyes. People yeah. want to tell him things. Yeah. Also, I just want to do a quick shout out to the peak 2000s fashion in this episode. <laughs> the outfit oh, Taylor yeah. is wearing to church is literally, first of all, it's so ugly <laughs> in a way that only <laughs> 2000s fashion could be. Um, so I just love, like, that. I feel like people people sanitize early 2000s fashion and just they just don't think, they just don't, they just don't know. <laughs> While we're giving petty shout-outs this episode, uh, I have twice in my notes that Dean looked extremely beautiful this episode. I just want to shout that out. <laughs> this was really good lighting. Thank you for whoever made that decision. <laughs> mm-hmm. Anything else for the church scene? Uh, there is a bit where uh, Dean's uh, Dean being characterized as thirsty goes against prior characterization in a way I noted down. Of um, Dean says, "So you believe her?" And Sam says, "Yeah." And then Dean says, "I think she's hot too." And I wrote down, "Dude, you were the one who wanted to come in the first place." Yeah, it's it's weird. Yeah. My notes there say that Dean dismisses Sam's belief of Laurie as heterosexuality. <laughs> yeah, which I think you could read it as it's just Dean being Dean and, like, acting up the way he does, but it's still like, dude, this was your idea. Laurie is also just kind of used as a sex object a lot. Like, yes, her positioning as an object of male desire like the guy who is painting himself talks about how she's a freshman and she's super hot and she's the reverend's daughter so she's like this prize Uh 
Yeah. Well, it's not just, sorry, you got to do it the way he did it. And she's a reverend's daughter. Yeah, like, she's very much this, like, prize, this, like, virginal, pure prize that men are meant to go after. And I think, like, that's kind of where that comes from. And Dean just kind of assumes that that's what Sam is doing, which, I mean, is out of character for Sam, I think. But considering especially later what happens when Laurie kisses him, but... I think it, it's just, it's it's more working to um, posit Laurie as a sex object rather than characterize the brothers, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Also, when you were talking about outfits, did you mean Taylor's outfit or Laurie's outfit? Because I feel like Laurie's outfit is worse. Oh, is it? Hold on, let me look. I, I saw Taylor's outfit, the little, like, coat that she was wearing. Actually, yeah, Laurie's outfit is much worse. Laurie's outfit's very bad. She has on this weird... Like, she has on, like, a tank top over a, like, blouse over this, like, spotted blouse. It's like a- I think it's supposed to be a vest. Yeah. Yeah, it's not a tank top. It's like a sweater vest over a button-down, but, like, a short sleeve one. I don't know. Like, I would wear it, but that's because it came back. <laughs> yeah, I would wear it specifically to be gay. Exactly. Not as, like, oh, yes, I am the heterosexual reverend's daughter. <laughs> Let me just wear this to church. There's this one moment this episode that just looks like poor editing. I don't know what they were going for here. Like, the ambulance drives by, right? And so Dean kind of turns to look at it, and there's a bit where, like, he first he raises an eyebrow, and then the camera cuts and he squints at it. Like, did they mean to have both of those reactions there? It doesn't feel natural at all. It, like, actually took me out of the story. I was like, what did he just do? Oh, I didn't even, I didn't even notice, but I'm sure the next yeah, time I, I watch this episode, that. I will. Yeah. <laughs> um, so thanks for ruining it. You're yeah. welcome. This is so early supernatural attempt at politics, but I do like the the fact that Jacob Karn is this like evangelical Puritan, like I guess puritanical. Mm-hmm. Don't want Christians to get angry at me for for mixing up all the words. Um, <laughs> he's this puritanical like guy who is specifically very sex negative. Yeah, like specifically he was against sex work yeah sins of the flesh so literally anything besides missionary procreative sex outside of marriage presumably Mm -hmm. i think that's like a cool thing to do like i think that's a cool talk about yeah yeah, Yeah, it's a cool sex workers Uh, i I say sex work specifically because i think it mentioned red light districts which is prostitution oh yeah uh the the 13 the 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 hookman killed 13 prostitutes Ah, I missed that. Yes, I noted but... that down because the in the list of deaths in the wiki thing, it says 13 prostitutes, bracket, mentioned, bracket, which I thought was very funny. Ah, brackets, you Canadian, they're parentheses. Um, speaking of sins, um, I think it's really interesting that Lori says uh, she was raised to believe, which calls back to her father. Mm-hmm. And so we get, this, again, this parallel of, like, sins of the father, like, Lori's righteous anger is something she picked up from her dad. And the idea of, like, violence as inherited mm-hmm. is really big this season. hmm Yeah. It also, like, she's very obviously, like, the Sam mirror. I, I talked about, I had this note later, but the fact that Sam gets the virtuous girl. Uh-huh. Which is funny, considering the fact that Jess is kind of coded, I don't want to say normal, but, like, she's not overly modest- she wears, she literally wears a sexy nurse outfit to a Halloween party. Yeah. Um, but like, I think it's really interesting that I don't think this girl would ever go after Dean, but the fact that Sam gets her is kind of, I guess, pointing at Sam's 
virtue as compared to Dean's. Um, and also continuing to, to do the Sam, the Sam John mirror thing, which I also noticed mm -hmm. in home, um, especially, but yes. Speaking of, speaking of Sam having the potential to quote unquote, get the girl. Boy, Lori was thirsty for Sam, huh? <laughs> just, they only just met. There was like, it felt very weird of like, oh, I'm going to, there's this guy like lurking protectively outside of my house and I'm going to go talk to him and make out with him like right outside. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, you just met. I don't, like, I don't Two understand. people have just been killed also, and you decided that the guy yeah. standing outside your house is actually yeah. friendly. Yeah. Two, like two people have been stalking you. Or at least that's what it would uh -huh. look like to murder people you're close to. Like, how do you know it's not this weird guy? It's very interesting. Speaking of you saying two people have just been killed, it felt very weird that there's a party going on. I feel like, I don't know, I also don't go to a party college, but I feel like if I were hosting a party and someone had literally just died in a dorm room, I would cancel the party. Yeah. I mean, maybe it was supposed to be awake in the way maybe, that, like, maybe. college kids probably only understand how to do awake. Well, that's not fair. Yeah, that's maybe. not fair. But uh, the, this, this, you know, conception of college kids, I guess I should say. Yeah. Going back a little bit to the ta to Taylor's death, I just I want to talk about that a little bit. Um, first of all, I when I have my desk lamp on, I can barely see when my screen is very dark. But I thought it was really good. The like long shot when you could just barely make out Jacob Karn's outline. Yeah. It was nice and scary. Yeah, it was spooky. And then the next morning, Lori being woken up by the sound of dripping blood, and then the aren't you glad you didn't turn on the light? Like, I just thought that was so effective. Mm -hmm. So creepy. It was so campfire story. It was beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm rewatching the scene right now, and the the way they do it of, like, it it's a shot of... Lori going to bed, and then it doesn't cut. The camera slowly pans mm -hmm. over to her closet and zooms and reveals that Karn has been there the whole time, just, like, standing there faintly visible behind the door. It's yeah. great. Which is why she didn't close the door. I was like, who goes mm -hmm. to sleep with their door open? Yeah. But if she had moved it, it would Especially have Especially in a sorority. Like, girls are downstairs watching, like, Real Housewives. You know? It's, it's loud live in a house with like 12 other people but i do understand why they did it because it was very good for the horror sam has his little girly drink where he has like his super fancy coffee that dean makes fun of him for yeah dean emasculates him for dean is like, liking ha -ha. coffee that doesn't taste like ass which i'm sure sam oh, yeah. drinks black coffee because dean probably doesn't get him anything else but like oh how girly it's so early 2000s it's... like Pumpkin yeah. spice latte. I drink my coffee black because I'm a yeah. man. Half-calf double vanilla latte. He calls him Francis there. I don't know if that's a reference to something or just like a girly name. I would never. Yeah, I, I'm not I, sure. Francis is kind of gender neutral to me, so I don't know. Well, it's, I thought it was it with a reference, an I or an E. But... The script spells it with an I. Also, <laughs> a half-calf, what was it? Half-calf double vanilla latte? Yes. Is that half-calf with a double shot of vanilla or half-calf with a double shot of espresso? I'm not a barista, but like it sounds like it it's could. It sounds like they literally just took double Starbucks. Double vanilla. That's a lot of vanilla. I don't know. That is a but lot. But it's of not vanilla. even that like fruity of a drink. Exactly. Dean has so many rats in his brain. I get a cold brew with vanilla. He does. He's yeah. like, you put milk in. What do you need milk in your you coffee? You drink things that to... taste good. What are you, some kind of girl? Yeah. <laughs> you you drink things that are light white in color. 
hmm, sus. Um, it's very weird. Mm-hmm. But this is also like a really early example of the ways, the different ways that they, the brothers treat like food and foodstuffs. Mm-hmm. So counting beverages under there, but um, the way that Dean has like this hypermasculine vigilance of his food intake, but also he eats everything he gets his hands on. And Sam is just like, I'm going to drink my coffee, which is apparently half-calf, and eat salads because he has, like, health concerns, but not in a very healthy way. He has, like, there there are, there was a really good post going around from one of my mutuals that I will reblog when we get this episode up um, about, like, the way that they both are, like, coded as having eating disorders, but in different ways. Where Dean is obsessed mm. with hmm. um, getting food and what kind of food and when to eat his food and like the guilt around eating, and Sam is obsessed with like purity and like eating clean, you know, which which is because of his like other issues around purity, which we will get to mm-hmm. as the seasons progress. But it was it was really a good post and it makes me very sad. That is a that is a good post. Shout out to OP Transdu Dean. Mm-hmm. Always with the good takes. There was also a, a universe, an in-universe thing that they noted in this episode that I don't think ever gets brought up again. Very much the Christo of this episode. Um, that ghosts smell like ozone. That you can oh, tell yeah. a ghost is in the area, not by not just by EMF, but by the scent that they leave, which I thought was weird. I was like, well, why do you have EMFs then? Or like, why do you bother smelling? It, w- it was weird, and it, yeah, I don't it think they weird. ever use it again. Yeah, it was just very, very interesting. This episode is also the first mention of angels in the show, which obviously at this point they were not planning on including in the plot. But I mean, we'll get to that when we get to season three, because there's crazy stories going on there. But um, this is the first time where a character brings up the idea of angels, where Laurie calls the hookman spirit. Uh, she thinks it might be an avenging angel. Mm, yeah. Mm. I also noted that the kiss between Sam and Laurie was really mm-hmm. weird. Uh, especially, like, the tortured look Sam gets on his face when he pulls away from her. Like, it just seemed really dramatic. It was so, like, edgy. Yeah, he goes, I Uh, can't, and she says, that's someone you lost, and it's very... Also, also earlier when they're talking, uh, Sam says, we may have people, uh, dying around us in common. He doesn't say dying around us, but that's what they're talking about. Uh, we may have that in Mm -hmm. common. And then there's a dramatic cut to Dean. Which I thought was funny, of like, uh-oh, Dean might be in trouble in this graveyard, and it's like, I, Dean's not gonna die. <laughs> <laughs> well, not yet, anyway. <laughs> not in this not episode. In episode. Yes. Yeah, that whole scene, like, I understand, because they had to get Lori out of the house, they had to give her dad a reason to call her back. Like, I understand, like, structurally mm-hmm. why they did it, but it just did not land for me. Yeah. However, the shot where he goes out and is like, Come back into the house, and then the hook man shows up right behind him. Is great. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah, it's really good. It even like the CGI was even like good. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't remember uh, laughing at any of the CGI in this episode like I did in the next episode. Yeah. Um, oh, the next episode. <laughs> My one complaint is not necessarily not really related to the CGI, but more of like the effect of the hook man of like how slowly the hook drags and everybody just kind of stares at it. So my notes just say, like, underlined, move faster. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's like That's walking true. slowly Literally. down the hallway towards you. Like, Get this is a dramatic ghost. Gear. And then I, also in the hospital scene, uh, Sam, the way he talks to the cop is really funny to me. 
like where he just goes yes sir like he's just yeah. so like he clearly he knows how to put on the dumb kid like doesn't know what's going on innocent act but it's still like very much like sam come on be better i don't know what this is is about because i'm a dumbass but dean once again projecting <laughs> that could mean any number of things but love on Dean is projecting on somebody for here because that's usually who he projects on but um my notes have just basically two things left where we have sam i, I like cheered when sam said get this I'm like yeah that's exactly what you're supposed to say and uh the other notes is that dean gives up going after the girl to go dig in the graveyard like he looks disappointed but he does do it oh oh Oh, I found it. I found what you're talking about. When when they oh. split up to go burn everything, uh, which, by the way, I liked. I like that their plan is, yeah, we just need to burn literally <laughs> everything silver. Um, mm -hmm. It's it's great. It's very practical. Oh! Uh, yeah. Uh, you you yeah. remembered. So Dean's, Dean says, yeah. I'll get the church, you get the house. And then, like, they start to leave. And then Dean says, hey. And Sam turns around and Dean says, stay out of her underwear drawer. Lovely. Which, yeah, I wrote down as if you're one to talk, Dean. It's literally, like, the exact same thing of, like, oh, don't do anything I yeah, wouldn't do. Uh -huh. And then there's nothing you Are wouldn't do. Are you saying do. Dean is a Taylor mirror? Um, yeah. <laughs> I think Taylor is well, a Dean Taylor mirror. Taylor did it first. <laughs> and Lori's a <laughs> <laughs> I just, I can't stop thinking about that, that joke you made yesterday about yeah, how, it was yesterday. Uh, was it yesterday about how everything the show is, is about Dean one thing. i told that to alex and he was like oh i see <laughs> <laughs> that's all i have for this episode if you guys have something else same yeah yeah i have a couple more things which is uh speaking of the Hookman, we've said multiple times the Hookman's very good one thing i especially wanted to say though is the physical presence and power of the hookman mm -hmm. is deeply in intimidating in a very good way uh the way he just constantly is smashing stuff mm. is very good uh, yeah. like he smashes through a window he smat like almost everything the hook comes down on shatters into a billion pieces the hook is very scary uh and then yeah the way it drags against the wall and leaves those big marks is very fun even if yeah they should probably be reacting to it a little harder um the shot where Lori is like yanked along the ground and slid uh is very uh mm -hmm. what's that movie? Oh. What's the movie about the people with the ghost in their house? The The Conjuring, I think, is what I'm thinking of. Oh. It might <laughs> The movie with the ghost in the house. It might not be house. that. I don't know. Yeah, I know it doesn't. I know it doesn't. It's a very famous like they they like it's very focused on the house. They set up like night vision and stuff to watch it. It's a very scary trailer. It was a very um influential horror movie in like the late i feel like late 2000s early 2010s i think it's the conjuring it doesn't matter it's very that of like invisible ghost like yanking someone away at high speed mm -hmm. uh it was a good shot they do that again in home yeah. too there's a lot of like really yes. good ghost tropes um i also want to mention um i don't think we ever see jacob karen's face like i have a picture of him in my notebook right here and you kind of have like the outline of his features mm -hmm. but on imdb uh the credit is given to sean millington who is yes. a black man which we could also we could all we could talk about the trope of uh characters of color not showing any of their like either being transformed into animals or other like 
non-racial mm-hmm. beings, I guess. Um, yeah, I don't just not showing their blackness on. I don't screen. know if Karn. I don't know if Karn was supposed to be a character of color here. I think this is just the thing of like we needed yeah, someone no. to be in this like suit or in this like make. I guess it's not a suit, mm-hmm. but you know this costume and makeup and stuff. Um, yeah, it's very much like Darth yeah. Vader type stuff. You needed the the character, the physical, the physicality. Yeah, and the the race of the character did not kind of factor into it really, which is problematic yeah. in its own. Although right. I guess it's um, the opposite with Darth Vader because it's a, I believe it's a white man in the suit and a and what's what's Vader's voice actor's name? James Earl Jones. James Earl Jones. Thank you. And it's James Earl Jones doing the voice, but but yeah, no, I know mm. what you mean. But yeah, that was something that was interesting that I saw on IMDb when I wrote my synopsis. Why did you do research into the actors of this episode? Uh, yeah, I was I was going to get to, I only found, besides that, which we just did, I only found one other interesting actor mm-hmm. fact. Before we do that, a uh, couple things. There is bad CGI that I laughed at in this episode, and it's when uh, the okay. hook started to melt, like when the hook oh, man was defeated, he oh, started yeah. to melt, that looked really bad. Um, and then they yeah, do the yeah. Western thing again, where the cops like, listen, and Dean's like, we're leaving town, don't worry about it. As if like, I don't know, it feels very Wild West of like, yeah, the law doesn't matter, except in this town, we're just going to leave and it's fine. <laughs> Which is not how last episode the world got, works. You know, frame for murder. Yeah, uh-huh. Literally. That's sort of what I meant of like, uh, is that is their relation? Are they going to have to be more wary of police going forward? And this episode seems like they literally no. use their real yeah. names, uh-huh. their first names, but like still. And then finally, when they're in the car, Dean says, "We could stay," uh, which I feel is I don't know. I don't know whether it was disingenuous of him. It seemed genuine in the way he said it, but it does not make any. It doesn't sense make sense. No, it seemed like it was used only as an opportunity to show us that Sam is not as attached to the quote-unquote normal life. He's more attached to revenge. Yeah, maybe. Um, But it was still very awkward and did not make sense. And yeah, finally, actor facts. Uh, The preacher in this episode is played, uh, is the guy who plays Bulldog in Frasier and is also the voice (laughs) of Leela's dad in Hey Arnold, which it's an interesting combination of roles. Interesting. Oh, um, her necklace is a cross, right? The one that she got re- the the hook reforged. So oh, technically, yes. supernatural burns a cross. <laughs> yeah, we didn't really talk about we didn't really talk about that. But yeah, that was the th- <laughs> that was the thing they had to get the that that Eric, was the important. Eric, Eric, he said, "Fuck Christian." That was rights. the important object. Yeah, it's very interesting that like the ghost. I mean, I guess it makes sense because. You know what? I'm going to take back what I said earlier about it being dumb that reforging it didn't work because reforging it into into a Kept cross the and the it this being like the revenant of a preacher like does make sense. If there's any object that he's going to continue to be attached to, it would be a cross. And the combination of like his hook which I guess like is is we should say I guess briefly that the original uh Hookman story is kind of ableist in the idea of like, oh, this scary man with a hook for a hand. Oh, this disabled man who yeah, will kill we're gonna you. We're going to get a lot into ableism next session because mm-hmm. of Asylum. Yeah. Yes. Uh, but regardless, the idea of like this object, which is a in the story and in the the having kill 13 prostitutes, like is this weapon being reforged into 
into a cross is interesting symbolically of like this is what's hidden behind uh what this man mm-hmm. represented yeah the violence of christian morality hidden behind the like peace yeah. and love like imagery that that uh, violent christian organizations tend to put out but yeah with that we're gonna take a break and move on to uh the worst episode of this show <laughs> the bar is really the low right the bar well yeah the finale lower. exists <laughs> but okay the worst episode we've <laughs> seen so far and from what i've heard about yes. this episode is considered one of the worst episodes of the show in general it is certainly up there yes Okay, so, bugs. So, we open in Oasis Plains, Oklahoma. Our call to open is a new suburb under construction. Uh, There are two construction workers uh, who are shooting the shit. Uh, One of them's like, I'd like to live here, and the other one says, too bad, you can't afford it. So we got some class stuff going on. Uh, That won't really show (laughs) up again. Uh, there's some rumbling that one of the construction workers notices under the ground, uh, and he goes over to investigate, and then falls into a hole deep under the ground. It's like seven feet down or something. It's very far. And as he's down there, his friend's like, I'm gonna come, I'm gonna come get a rope, don't worry. Meanwhile, the bugs attack him. It's pretty gross. I hated it. It's bad. It's, it's pretty gross. Um, they cover him, and they eat his brain. And when his friend shows up at the rope, it looks we see in the hole, and his face is all jacked up. Uh, it, that doesn't look great, but it's fine. We cut there to a biker bar where the brothers are hanging out. Dean's won more money from pool hustling. Sam complains to him about it. We learn that Dean watches Oprah, and that this guy's death is being covered up and called mad cow disease, which I think is funny. I think... In this next shot where they're driving across a road with the sky, that it looked identical to that same shot I mentioned a few episodes ago. I forgot to go look for it, but I think they reused the same establishing shot. Would not surprise. Anyway, uh, we learned that this guy who died's name is Dustin, and they go talk to his friend. Uh, Dean's lying works for once when they say that we're his nephews. Uncle Dusty. Yeah, Uncle Dusty. <laughs> Uh, they're like, mad cow disease seems weird, and so Dustin's friends take them, Dustin's friend takes them to the scene of the crime. The boys get in a pissing contest about who's going to go down the hole. Dean's like, we'll flip a coin. Uh, Sam's like, no, I'm gonna go. They find beetles down there. Sam wants to know more. Uh, they're driving around talking about how they do this when Dean notices that there's free barbecue, and he's like, let's go talk to the locals. And Sam's like, you just want free food, which I think is valid. If there was a free barbecue, mm-hmm. I'd go to it. Yes. Also, Dean and food again. Yes, Dean and food again. Um, they're like, they're at this party. Dean says he'd blow his brains out if he lived here, and Sam calls it normal. Mm. Um, we get our first uh, gay joke here with the brothers. Which is and they make it twice great. in a row. It also, it happens. Yes, they make it twice in a row. Uh, the house salesman in this episode. I also want to talk about I, that. The one thing... One of the few things I liked in this episode is the house salesman is truly rancid, uh, which is also partly why I hate this episode, because of the way it ends. Um, but this guy is is good in terms of how rancid he is as a suburban home salesman. Um, 
Mm-hmm. When they're at the party, Linda, head of sales, shows up. The I wrote the vibes are rancid here. She has the fakest laugh as they're socializing. Uh, Dean plays mm-hmm. another joke and calls Sam honey. Mm. Uh, Dean learn, and this is where Dean learns that the salesman's son Matt likes bugs, and Sam finds his tarantula, and the two of them interact. Uh, Sam is going to imprint on this child over the course of this episode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> word for word, what I wrote. Uh huh. um sam is reminded of their dad by the relationship this kid with his dad has with his dad uh then dean and sam argue about how dad raised them dean learns that the bugs are killing more people there's a terrible line here where dean says i've heard of killer bees but killer beetles it's the most bee movie shit in the world yeah also there's lots of beetles on the planet yes it's true Like, there's a lot of bugs out there, Dean. They think that this kid might be doing psychic bug control. Uh, they squat in an empty house for the night because Dean wants to try the shower, which he really likes, uh, which is cute. That's sort of the thing I liked in this episode. We cut to Linda from sales getting killed in the shower by spiders. I feel like it's important to note she was right, not killed right, by right. the spiders. The sp- she yes. tripped out like, of the shower. Yes. Broke the glass. You're right. The spiders flow out of it, and she, like, trips and falls and dies. Which I would probably also, the do too. the spiders look terrible. The spiders are so Oh yeah, they look so, so bad. So They're bad. so bad. Um, earlier, also, a plastic spider is dropped on her face. Well, it's a, it, in the show, it's a real spider. but uh, And her, like, blasé reaction to it is very funny. She just sort of brushes it off. Anyway, the boys learn that Linda died. They sneak into her house, as they always do. Uh, Dean shakes a towel and a bunch of more, bunch more p- fake plastic spiders fall out. I'm going to pause here because my dogs are screaming. They look like you got them from Oriental Trading. Literally look like the plastic spider rings from, like, Party City, but they've cut the ring part off. Oh, it's so bad. So after the plastic spiders, they go to follow the spooky bug boy, Matt, and find him going into the woods. He's interacting with a cool stick bug. Uh, They interrogate him, and turn. it turns out he's fine, actually, and he's been investigating why the bugs are weird here. He's noticed that there's something going on. He's just a boy interested in bugs. He's not a psychic murderer bug murderer um sam's empathizing a lot with this kid says he'll be able to move out soon dean thinks he should stick with his family we're gonna talk about this stuff later um Mm -hmm. matt takes them to the epicenter of this bug stuff dean puts his hand in a gross hole full of worms and pulls up a bug covered skull uh cut to the boys taking what turns out to be multiple skulls to an anthropology department side note this is the anthropology department at ubc i've been here uh it was funny to see ubc in this episode they talk to the uh, professor. This scene is weird. He opens the conversation with, so you two are students here, yeah? Which feels like a conversation they would have had earlier, but they've already given him the bones to look at. Uh, it's just that weird yeah. expository dialogue, I guess. Anyway, they discover from the professor that these are old Native American bones. The historical record of the tribes who lived in this area are spotty. Uh, and Sam does an actually smart thing and asks about oral history, and the prof sends them to a Yuchi res nearby. Uh, so they go to the res and talk to a guy named Joe Whitetree. Uh, I looked into the Yuchi, and there's not a lot of information on them on the internet because they're a fairly small uh, group, all things considered. Um, but I did note down that Whitetree feels a lot like a Lakota name or a, I'm probably going to pronounce this wrong, but a Oseti Sokoan name in general. Um, I don't know whether it's, it's not necessarily not a Yuchi name, uh, but Occam's Razor, this sounds very much like the kind of name a white guy who has seen Dances with Wolves would call a native character. Mm. 
Uh, and he also yeah. does the thing where he's the magic native guy. He immediately calls them out on yep. being bullshit. He's like, apparently this guy is a lie mm -hmm. detector. Uh, and he says he likes Sam. Sam's not a liar, which I think is funny considering previous episodes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They literally lie for yep. a living. Uh, so anyway, he he gives them the plot. Uh, he tells a story about how this American cavalry ravaged his ancestors for six days. And so they laid a curse in the valley saying the same would happen to any white people who lived here. Anyway, cut to the backyard uh, where Matt has discovered that it's crawling with horrible bugs. Uh, the boys try to warn everyone. Dean, again, is very bad at lying. Sam calls Matt and says he needs to get his, get his family out. Uh, Dean gives lying advice and it doesn't work. Uh, Matt decides to tell the truth. The boys show up and argue with the family outside until a big, horrible swarm of bugs blackens the moonlight. This shot was fine, but the rest of the bugs mm -hmm. will, is, will not be. Uh-huh. Cut to uh, potentially the worst 10 minutes of television I've watched in a long time. <laughs> Everyone runs into the house. They try to secure it. The bugs have cut the power like the alien in uh, the movie Alien. <laughs> I don't know why they think they can secure this house. Uh, they do realize bugs get into houses all the time, right? Sam has a terrible plan to just outlast this curse. Dean gets some bug spray. The bugs predictably get into the house via the chimney. Everyone gets attacked. Which nobody bothered yeah, blocking. Yeah, nobody bothered blocking. Dean literally told Matt to block the chimney. Yeah. So everyone gets attacked by horrible CGI bugs that cover the screen for the next okay. 10 minutes. I have, I have to break in here. Uh -huh. They tried to use real bugs. They, I think this is the bees, really? right? They were using real bees. Mm -hmm. But they didn't, I don't know why exactly, they didn't show up well on camera or something, so they had to use CGI bees after people had already gotten stung for the sake of using real bees. Wow. Truly a television show. That makes show. me wonder if, like, the sting marks on Dean and Sam are, like, actual sting marks that Jensen and Jared I can't believe they just shit. used be real bees. That's incredible. Uh, the most show. I'm looking for a source on that, but I don't see one yet, so okay. I will share it if I find one. If that's true, that's incredible. Anyway, Dean sets the bug spray on fire. It's not very effective. Uh, they escape yeah. into the attic, which I feel like would be even less bug-proof compared to a regular house. Yeah. Attics are full of bugs. like, why are you... Yeah. It's like, why do you automatically... And also, like, it's right next uh -huh. to the roof. And yeah, sure enough, like, yeah, they go just... up there, and the bugs are eating through the wood of the roof. The boys cover the hole that the bugs make, and then more holes break. It's like plugging a dam with your fingers. It really seems like everyone is going to get eaten alive by bad CGI bugs. Uh, but then, even mm -hmm. though previously bugs ate through that man's brain in, like, a minute, uh, they survive the night. And it's unclear why or how. It's the fastest sunrise. It's the ever. fastest sunrise ever. You could uh, watch literally. the sky from dark to light. It's in, absurd. Like, I was like, that's the fastest approximately shot. seven yeah. hours I've ever They're seen still in awake my life. When the brothers show up, I feel like it can't be later than like two a.m. Well. No, yeah, they well, said they, they showed say, up like, around midnight. midnight. They show up around midnight. Yeah, the bugs show up around midnight. They were yeah. in that house for seven time hours. Where it is? Do we know what time of year it is? Because they're in Oklahoma. Based on the fact that it's very rainy, I don't know if Oklahoma is actually rainy, but it I would imagine it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It feels like they wouldn't have matter. survived it's ten minutes like, in that house. Just figure out how like, stupid it's it is. It's so dumb. Yeah, it's so dumb. It's really bad. It, anyway, yeah. I tried like logicing it out. Yeah. It does not work. Anyway. The, that's the episode in the denouement. The boys. I think the shot where the, I think the shot where the sky like visibly lightens in like three seconds might have been supposed to be like a a time lapse, 
like maybe it was a montage of uh, them surviving, but it definitely it didn't doesn't feel, feel like, like a montage. one. So it failed. It was not like shot that way to me. Like it doesn't seem like it was. It feels like they way. wrote themselves into a corner of making this like the deadliest like thing and mm-hmm. what really the way out of this should have been is they get in the car and drive away but they wanted to have a stupid home invasion bug thing they wanted to have a terrible mm-hmm. set piece moment which looked garbage anyway in the denouma why it is like i've had it, enough it's so bad in the denouma the boys see that nat and his family are heading off uh matt's dad is suddenly not a shithead because the show needs to have allowed some development to happen otherwise this episode would have been completely pointless Sam finds out Matt is throwing all his bug stuff away because the boy has bug trauma now, which is played weirdly for a joke, even though it's totally valid to be afraid of bugs after getting attacked by bugs for seven hours. Um, The boys talk about their dad at this moment, and I hate this so much. They're like, Mm -hmm. Sam wants to apologize to him, which it feels like not the lesson this episode should have done. And they're like, he was just doing the best he could. Mm -hmm. I had also notes earlier that I skimmed over of like a conversation they have about their dad, which we'll come back to. This episode sucked. There were like five minutes of decent boys content, which I sort of enjoyed, but based on the moral of the end of the episode, it still sucks and not even in a fun way. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, I feel like this episode could have been interesting if it had actually centered the Yuji people's perspective, but instead it's just a dumb bug thing and it focuses way too much on like the white guilt over the sins of colonization compared to like what's actually Mm -hmm. the present moment uh emma you wrote some good stuff about this in the chat which we will talk about and that's everything i have for this episode infuriated by the the conclusion where the house salesman guy says that he's going to make sure no one ever lives here again Uh which uh no one no one at all all. not even the people who were here before you this land is now just abandoned that's your solution and it's literally been polluted like to hell and back by half of a housing development you're just going to leave all of that stuff like it's yeah it's so stupid and so bad by the way um speaking of speaking of bad uh when they go when when the show goes to the res um there's a bit where mm. they're like they show that it's a res by just having there being a dog like just a, a random dog like eating stuff in the by the side of the road i think i'm trying to find the specific literally shot. The, th- the two ways you know it's a reservation is the dog eating yeah. trash on the side of the road and the fact that there's like a billion pickup yeah. trucks like those are the coded things that i saw and i was like oh yeah there we go it, yeah it's a spilled so trash bad. bag and there's a dog eating trash out of it you can't like nod at the poverty inside of native reservations as like a way to shorthand, like, this is how you know you're crossing into the reservation territory. The whole reason that they are like that is because of white people. Like, it's the whole reason. And, like, the contrast of that poverty coding in juxtaposition with the, like, establishing conversation of this episode where the workers are Mm -hmm. talking about, like, class divide, where they're working on these estates Mm -hmm. they won't be able to afford living in. There's this, this issue of, like, class difference and, like, socioeconomic difference that just doesn't get addressed like Wyatt said and then this also just such a bad episode all around anyway the thing I was gonna say is this uh this episode isn't even this part of the episode isn't even filmed on a reservation this is uh this is on Jardine Street in New West which I just thought was funny of like we have to make this place look like a reservation so we're just gonna have a dog eating trash 
Okay, for the Americans uh, in the audience, where's yeah, New West? I, uh, it's a, a New Westminster is a part of the greater Vancouver metropolitan uh, area. Sorry. Okay. Yeah, I, I like everywhere in the show is shot yes. in the greater Vancouver metropolitan area, which is why I did not preface it with that. But but yeah, I I was also curious. I don't. I've never been to Oklahoma. I don't know anything about the Midwest. Is it usually this rainy in Oklahoma? <laughs> Like, I don't know. I like it's usually rainy in Vancouver, is what I'll tell you. That yeah, is what I'll tell. And you. like the the forest was so like yeah, lush this was a very and gray like, episode. Wet. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's absolutely. Whatever a forest is in the show, it's like yeah, that's the Pacific Northwest, yeah, buddy. Yeah. That's not the Midwest. It's You're not, not even, in the Midwest. It's not even my half. It's the Pacific Northwest. It's not even my half of the yeah. Northwest. It's like yeah, you're in the jungle, yeah, man. No, this is this is a BC. This is a temperate rainforest. Yeah. Is what you were in right now. Yeah. It's. <laughs> yeah, that so was uh, that was shot in uh, Everett Crowley Park, uh, which is which is in the Champlain Heights uh, area of Vancouver. It's in uh, it's in um, uh, East Van near the uh, near the Fraser near the golf course there. Actually, yeah, that mm -hmm. makes sense. Um, shall we go like chronologically now that we've kind of touched on yeah. some of our biggest issues? Um, there's a bit where like Sam again brings up his like ethical quandary and dean's ways like in one hand honest and one hand fun and easy um so this again positing dean as like this more uh open to doing the wrong thing because it's the more fun thing which is yeah i don't know i i it's constantly positing sam as like the good brother and dean as the one who does whatever he wants mm -hmm. uh one of them, I'm assuming Sam, says how we were raised was Jax, mm -hmm. which is, like, the earliest mention in this episode of their resentments of their father, or, you know, Dean's resentment. Sorry, Sam's resentment. That is the wrong name completely. And then I have also Dean Watches Oprah, so you can pick it up. Ash. Yeah, um, this is just the first, like, inciting... This becomes a character trait, that Dean enjoys um, daytime TV and soap operas, um, and other, like, typically woman coded like stuff that's made for women's consumption he watches a medical drama this gets this gets touched on in later seasons um touched on it's a it, plot it point. is a plot point um <laughs> it doesn't get brought up until later seasons but like he literally watches a gray's anatomy uh knockoff essentially knockoff um called dr oh, sexy that's funny that's really uh, funny. Intricate, intricate rituals um but it's always it's always played as a joke in order to like it, uh, emasculinate it, that's not a word um, in order to emasculate Dean but I just like first of all I think it's a good character trait like it's it's cute yeah it's great Dean has this rich inner yeah, world but like when, when Sam goes you watch Oprah and Dean just like gives him a face because he's been caught and he doesn't know how to like play it off he just goes okay let's go um, I, I just really liked that um because that's exactly how i interact when people tell me things that i wasn't expecting them to say uh it's just kind of make a weird face and move on um but yeah there's a lot and this also kind of to jump ahead another character trait that's established in this episode is that dean likes good water pressure in his showers um dean is yeah he just wants to be yes, pampered dean yeah. is um high maintenance um and he never gets the chance to be so now that they're squatting in this mm -hmm. house he even does like the little towel hat which is so it's cute. stupid because he doesn't even have long hair it's very cute yeah <laughs> exactly no it's Trans great Dean keeps winning. yes um 
<laughs> so it, it's so interesting how despite the fact that this episode is bad it establishes a lot that gets carried on later as opposed yeah. to uh phantom traveler which is a decent episode but makes a lot of plot that is never addressed ever again um so i just thought that was interesting on the note of making jokes about emasculating zine can we move on to the oh gay joke gosh. oh god uh-huh so i guess just to like synopsize it they talk about how they want to move into the neighborhood and the guy immediately which is i think the way he responds is very like realistic of like oh we accept homeowners of any race creed religion or sexual orientation of just being like with like a little pause uh, before that yeah last like one. we're inclusive yeah like that's pretty much how literally every cishet person i know responds when i tell them i'm queer they're like, oh, they yeah. like they jump to like make sure that you know that they're supportive in some way, um, and they're usually really <sighs> awkward about it, and it's really funny. The problem I have with it is, first of all, we all know that incest is a problem of this show. We will talk about it, I'm sure, yep. a lot. But also, it's just not really realistic. I think in 2005, in a suburban neighborhood in Oklahoma, the heteronormativity is too strong. I don't think his first uh -huh. assumption would be that they are uh -huh. gay married. Um, I don't know what his assumption would be. Well, they wouldn't be married. Well, yeah. But a couple. Yeah. Like, I don't know what his assumption would be, but he would not, like... He might make a passive comment about, like, ad uh, like admitting to the fact that it's a possibility, but I don't think he would just come out and say it. First of all, because that's fucking rude. This is an extremely yeah. woke think... section of Oklahoma. Yeah. Like, first of all, it's really rude to just <laughs> assume... You t it's rude to assume the relationship between a pair of people no matter what. But also to, like, assume that just because these two guys... It's, yeah, there's a metanormativity, there's, there's um, heteronormativity that is ignored for the sake of a joke, which happens a lot uh, in the early seasons. Yeah, this is one of the early instances mm -hmm. of queer coding as a punchline where we have a joke, haha, what if the guys were gay? Yeah. Uh -huh. Um, this episode, while I'm at, while I'm thinking about this, this episode was written by Rachel Nevin and Bill Coakley. Uh, so add those to the list of people who make jokes about, uh, queer Dean as a mm -hmm. joke, as opposed to, you know, for other reasons like we discussed last and session. i think it's like definitely i mean obviously the haha what if these two mask characters were gay like obviously that queer phobia is there but i also think it's playing off of the fact that they're brothers and that we know that and okay. the discomfort that we have yes, with other true. people uh making this assumption and like it, it even like it gets textualized later on when we discover the supernatural books like and Sam and Dean <laughs> discover that people ship their characters together because it's not canon in the books that they're brothers. Uh -huh. the, the, it's just, there's so much. <laughs> and it's, none of it's good. No. Um, like, it's not funny to make incest jokes. Especially not at the expense of queer people. And this is season one, so yeah. this wasn't even, like, the, you know, lampooning the fandom, yeah. which did have an incest shipping problem. Mm -hmm. Still does. Which, we, again, mm -hmm. we will talk about. Uh, still does, but, um... As the fandom developed, there was, just as, like, a, a background context for what we're talking about, there, there was the urge to ship, mm -hmm. right, as fandom does, and so there's basically no recurring characters, or very few recurring characters, and 
uh, early 2000s fandom was like rampantly misogynistic and racist mm-hmm. so even the characters who did show up were you know not white men enough to ship mm. with the white men and so there's just each other and the fact that the show constantly posits that these two are the most important relationship to each other that they have is unfortunately taken in incestuous ways by some of mm-hmm. the fan base and then the powers that be the people behind this, the show, in charge of the show, were aware of how their fans were reacting to it and decided to make jokes about it, like Ash was saying with the books. Mm-hmm. But this is season one. They didn't have like a fan base to make mm-hmm. jokes about while they were writing this. So this is just mm-hmm. the writers are making an incest joke for the sake of what Ash was saying. Yeah, I also think Supernatural making fun of its own fandom is going to be something that we're going to talk about oh yeah a couple of seasons because it's so bad oh they hate us so much supernatural handshake bbc sherlock (laughs) just let's just fucking make fun of the people that give you your money anyway now that we've moved on from the haha gay jokes the matt character is so much Mm -hmm. there's so much and the fact that he's a sam mirror and he's like he is used as this like like the the fiction nods towards the idea that Matt is abused. It nods very heavily, but I don't think there's like a character that is um explicitly abused until um in several episodes from now. But I noticed that maybe this is just me wanting to rub my autistic little hands on everything, but like Matt seems very autistic coded mm, to me. Yeah, with his like with his quote unquote weird interest in bugs. Yeah, yeah, and his, like, yeah. really, it seems like it's a special interest. So, which makes uh his, like, aversion towards bugs at the end, like, kind of double-sided to me, because, like, you're right, yeah. it is totally understandable that he does not like bugs anymore. Um, But it also feels very much, like, conforming. Yes, like, treating it like a joke or, like, almost a good thing of, like, yeah, it makes sense, kid, that you don't like bugs anymore, that's good, you're normal now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it... Yeah. Fix him. All he had to do was get attacked by yeah. bugs for Instead hours. Instead of like yeah. how it's very, it's deeply sad to me that this character's like interest has been ruined mm-hmm. by trauma that he's experienced. That feels like something you shouldn't play as a joke. Yeah, and even if he makes light of it, like that's still like it's not a fun thing to have to go through. Like mm-hmm. I'm sure lots of people uh, who would be listening to this can relate. There's like lots of examples of of interests that have been ruined by outside forces, be they trauma or um, cough, cough, Harry Potter, cough, cough, <laughs> just being like completely ruined by, by outward forces. Um, to be fair, I feel like Harry Potter was also ruined by internal forces about the fact that yes. it's bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. It only came into the public consciousness later. Yeah. Though. Um, but you're right, it has always been bad. And then also, I think because Matt is a Sam mirror, I think it's also interesting that he's autistic coded. Because I can definitely see, like, obviously the near-divergent Winchester brothers' uh, headcanon is out there. Mm-hmm. I don't know how prominent it is, as opposed to, say, the queer Dean uh, headcanons. Um, I don't really hang out in those spaces. I'm sure Emma would know. Um, I don't see a lot of it, but I'm sure it's there. Yeah, see? That's that's exactly what I thought. <laughs> um, like, I can probably see Sam as... Uh, autistic. I don't know if he's necessarily coded that way, but like, yeah, if I, I don't if get I the vibe about it, personally. Yeah, but if I if I was if I wanted to make an autistic Sam headcanon, I could I could find textual validation, but I don't think he's coded explicitly, and I don't think Matt is like purposely yeah. coded. Um, but it's definitely 
what autistic coding always is, where the writers are just writing a weird yeah. kid who has a weird interest, and that's autistic coding because they're ableist. Yeah. And, like, not all people who have weird interests obviously are autistic, but it is a common yeah. thing of, like, it is a common mm -hmm. stereotype, I guess. Mm-hmm. Of having an, a, a non-socially acceptable interest that you are, quote-unquote, way too into. Yeah. Clearly, we know all about this, seeing as we are making a Supernatural podcast. Yes. <laughs> Matt's relationship with his dad is uh, really blatantly paralleled to Sam and John, where I think Dean says, like, word for word that Sam and Matt are, like, two peas in a pod. Like, not subtle. Yeah. You two oh, are yeah, the same. it's, it's yeah. so on the nose. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Dean does not come off well in this episode. No, he He's does like not. A John apologist. But um, I think it is reasonable for him to have said these things. I think oh, it's yeah. in character for him to have mm -hmm. said these things. I wish he hadn't yeah. because it is a result of his trauma. Yeah. You know, like this is because he's supposed to say these things that he knows how to stick up for his dad. Oh, I thought um, I liked Sam Dean's characterization. That, you know, Dean was the perfect child that, that John was all, all over Sam's case. Sam kind of resents that, you know. Dean was the golden child and Sam was always getting in trouble and Dean has of course the opposite perspective where Sam was the favorite child and Dean could never do the right thing. Dean says something about how like maybe you were out of line where he's you know parroting what John would have said. Mm -hmm. uh, it comes up again in like the next conversation where uh, Dean says kids should stick with his family which is obviously something John mm -hmm. said when Sam was trying to leave. Uh, Sam says he was never good enough for John. And John, D Dean, saying all the names wrong, Dean says that John was scared for him and checked up on him while he was at college, which Sam looks a little bit surprised about. And Dean says that, you know, keeping in touch was a two-way street. You could have picked up the phone as if Sam is expected to have reached out to John who told him to never come back. Yeah, there's just a lot of bad, bad, bad abuse apology in this episode. Yeah. I wrote down uh, the conversation between Dean and Sam is Dean says, why'd you tell him to just, just, to just ditch his family like that? And Sam says, I know what he's going through. And Dean says, why don't you tell him to respect his old man? And Sam says, Dean, come on. And like, then they start arguing about that. And that's where Dean says, like, yeah, your dad always cared about you. He was worried about you. There's a thing here. I, it felt like the show is chronologically confused about how long Sam was in school. We talked about this in mm -hmm. episode one about like they had that fight. Yeah. Uh, they haven't spoken in two years, and Sam is twenty-two, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's maybe he went to college late. Maybe he did go to college late. Maybe he was only in college for two years. But it does say that like yeah, the fight the fight ended with uh, Sam getting thrown out of the house. Well, the motel room. Well, yeah, <laughs> thrown out of thrown <laughs> out of the place where they were staying. Um, and was like, don't come back. And that's when he goes to college. And so it's like, because we, we talked about in the first episode of like, when did this happen? Like, have they communicated since he was in college? And now we have like the textual, clear textual evidence of like, no, uh, that was the last time they talked was after this fight. And then Sam went to college mm -hmm. and then John checked in, which like, again, this is, I'm glad we watched this episode because there's stuff in here to talk about, but boy, if this, yes. this kind of important information is buried in. This very bad episode yeah uh how long does it take to get through pre-law because sam was well, he done with pre-law <laughs> well he was almost done. he was ready to law. yeah right he was ready to go into the graduate program maybe he did it fast like maybe summer classes. yeah yeah um can definitely that's very sam that. he could have done that yeah 
I mean, I did my undergrad in three years, and I'm not Sam Winchester, so I was he, literally, if, I was especially literally if he going joined late. Sam Kinney. <laughs> if he joined late, he would have wanted to catch up that time, so he would have gone yeah. faster. You know, he would yeah. speed through it, which makes it even more impressive, etc. He's on full ride. Mm-hmm. He's got his interview. He's a fancy yeah. little law boy. Fancy little do- law boy. Um, a very important line I think for this Sam and John stuff, Matt talks about why uh, his dad doesn't in- include him in the introductions because he's too disappointed in his freak son. Yeah. Yeah. There's the word freak again. Yep. 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 Uh, and applied to a Dean mirror or a Sam mirror, etc. Um, I also noticed that Dean and Sam, Emma mentioned this already, that they keep tossing the I was dad's least favorite ball back and forth, which is just keeping them from recognizing that they were both abused yep. uh, and that they should unionize and <laughs> kill their father. Um, <laughs> Definitely. Oh, they did have one nice moment in this episode, though, where like, they're arguing over who's going to go in the hole and, like, doing mm-hmm. the coin flip. Are you a chicken? Like, that was a nice little sibling moment that felt yeah. like actually being brothers instead of people who sit in a car together. Mm-hmm. It was very much like a, like Wyatt said, it was a pissing contest, but it was the type of pissing contest that, like, I would have with Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that wasn't me. don't want to. That wasn't me saying I didn't like that scene. I did like that scene. Oh, it for was sure. Funny. Yeah. Yeah. It was very cute and it was very, like, brotherly. It felt very That's much it. like like children being like no you jump off the tree branch yeah, first uh-huh. and you do it uh, at the end when sam is trying to get matt to convince his family to leave the house uh, sam says make him listen and dean grabs the phone and gives him information instead on how to like manipulate his dad into doing what needs to be done mm-hmm. uh so kind of insight there and dean's like make him listen what kind of stupid advice is that because he knows that shitty dads don't listen when you try to make them listen you have to trick mm-hmm. them into doing what you want yeah Mm-hmm. And like this, this way that you can't say, "Hey, I want to leave the house because I don't feel safe." You have to say, uh, "I need to leave the house because my stomach hurts. Take me to a hospital." Mm-hmm. Also, that last conversation between Dean and Sam, where Sam's like, "I want to apologize to him," literally wrote in all caps for what? Being mad that uh, you wanted to go to college? Well, like Dean? Dean implies that Sam said some shitty stuff in that argument too, well, but like it doesn't and matter. And here's the other thing: as if it wasn't warranted. Yeah, uh huh. Well, and I also feel like I would have liked this all of this stuff better if we could have gotten a flashback to the fight, yeah. so that we could draw our own conclusions about like because we only get Dean's perspective on what Sam said that night, and what Dean thinks uh is bad from Sam's mouth is probably different than what we would think are we gonna get a flashback to that fight are we ever gonna see that no 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 we never see the fight we see the fight paralleled when john eventually shows up in the show but we don't see the fight itself i yeah i just think that it would have been a lot more effective if we the audience were allowed to draw our own conclusions but i feel like the writers were aware of that and did not want to demonize john uh Mm. too much so they were kind of avoiding it and playing chicken also it's like sure maybe apologize if you called your dad like a c- or something like yeah c- apologize for like being mean i guess but like also if i'm a teenager and like my parents are like literally trying to repress me and shuffle me into a certain thing i feel like you would be justified in in you know saying some kind of not nice things because one you're a teenager mm-hmm. and two like what else are you going to do because you don't have the power to take control of your own life so all you can do is lash out at the at the power structures that are keeping you enclosed so like obviously this is not saying don't apologize when you you know say rude things to people uh but also like this idea that 
it's on the victim to make amends with their abuser. Um, I made the, the comparison to the Idiot's Lantern episode in Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. That does the same exact thing, and it's like... It's so early 2000s, like, they're your family, yeah. you have to, you know, you always have to make nice with them because you can't get rid of them, which is so stupid. I don't even know if that's particularly an early 2000s thing. I feel like that's still the dominant cultural narrative that we have. Oh, is it? I don't yeah. know, like... I I don't hang around normal people enough, apparently. Uh -huh. Well, I just mean, like, in, like, media still. I feel like it's yeah, still very common. I, I, I think probably what it is is I see it either subverted or criticized more Yeah, it's often. definitely criticized um, more. I was seven in 2005, yeah. so uh, I, don't, I don't really know. I think it's being pushed back against more. I think it is still the dominant yes. cultural narrative. Valid. Um, I noticed that Sam was driving for about half this episode. Mm, yeah, he drove them into the garage mm -hmm. of the house they squatted in. That's when I noticed. Which I thought was interesting. Oh! Dean tells Sam that John was scared of what would happen to Sam if he was, like, not under his watchful eye, and then he literally disappears on Dean. I was like... Yeah. What did... What? Hmm? Well, make it make okay. sense. He was... Uh, watch out for Sammy, you know? And then, considering what we know about Sam now, watch out kind of takes on a different tone. Well, I just think that, like, was John not concerned about Dean, too? Like, obviously he was, otherwise he wouldn't have been so overprotective of him. So, if he was concerned that Sam wasn't safe at college, in a dorm, on campus... Hey, people get murdered there, remember last episode? <laughs> That's true. But he just up and left Dean with absolutely no, like, contact, no anything, no explanation. And he just acts like he has to, and he's this tortured hero who has to separate himself from his sons because he needs to like learn the truth or whatever it's just so stupid it doesn't make any sense to me we'll probably talk about this i wrote more. this episode doesn't now make can any we talk sense about next episode <laughs> i'm not done but you keep bringing in home well yeah because they they are very good episodes to watch together also to be fair i think we're we should at least assume that the people who are watching the show along with us have seen the batch of episodes that we're mm -hmm. doing although for people who haven't mm -hmm. yeah we're this, this will come up again yeah uh, I said this episode doesn't make any sense, but it does make me hate John Winchester, which is not very difficult. <laughs> the scene with Joe White Whitetree was mm, very bad. Yeah. yeah, it was. Just the way he, like, and I don't mean this in, like, a, if this is the way the actor actually talks, like, he's a stereotype, but just, like, the way it was framed yeah. as, like, this mysterious native man who plays solitaire in a diner by himself and, like, knows all of this stuff. I'm like, is he... Admittedly, I don't know what the oral tradition of the Uchi people is, um, but generally I think they tend to have people responsible for the oral history. Shut up, Emma. Listen, I know. Emma said plays solitaire by himself. <laughs> <mocking> <laughs> in the chat. Sorry, I had, to, I had to mute for a second because of the plane going by, but I took the opportunity to type while I was muted. Um, but it I was like, usually... Like, they have roles, specific roles for uh, maintaining the oral history. But I understand that that might have been, um, I guess, like, destabilized by colonization. It also, um, yeah, it's, it's it depends. not something I'm, yeah. It's not something I'm a specialist in, but, like, it just seemed really convenient that he was like, I'll tell you what my grandfather told me. To be fair, at least for this, 
Joe Whitetree is the guy that the anthropology professor told them to go talk to. So That's it true. could be the case that, like, yeah, the anthropology professor, like, knows this guy and knows that he, like, has stories. That's true. I just wish it had been, like, more textual because oh, yeah. it just seemed kind of convenient when he went, I'll tell you what my grandfather told me and what his grandfather told him. Like, it just seemed so stereotypical. Well, and also, also very, like, a lot of the time these stories are, like, important things and you don't, you don't, like, always just tell them to people in a cafe. Yeah, especially not these two random yeah. white guys coming in, like, asking... But I suppose the the narrative thing is like he knows that they're doing important work or something. Yeah. Like that well, yeah, because he's, he's a magic Native powers. American. <laughs> yeah. Um. I I really liked the use of the bug zapper. Yeah, that was all right. Yeah, and how like it was just kind of this background thing, and then all of a sudden it started going up, 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 and that's how you know that like shit's going down. Yeah, that's all. Bad episode. Bad episode. Bad episode. Lots of important character stuff. Actor facts time. <sighs> Uh, oh, yes. There's a lot of interesting stuff I found for the various, like, side characters in this episode. Um, the actress who played Linda played Jackie Kennedy in the Watchmen movie. Um, the <laughs> dad salesman in this plays Christian Grey's dad in the Fifty Shades movies and all three of the Fifty Shades oh, movies. <laughs> um, Matt, the kid in this, is the guy who plays Stuart from Letterkenny. Uh, who is this, like, oh long, black-haired, like, punk uh, guy uh, who wears a top hat. Uh, he's a great character. Uh, go watch Letterkenny. It's very good. Um, yeah, I thought that was hilarious. I'm like, wow, this kid, this kid grew up. <laughs> this, kid's, this kid's a very good oh comedic actor now. And uh, the guy who dies at the start is played by the guy who voices Ace Ventura in the animated show. Uh, he did ADR lines for uh, Jim Carrey. And finally, uh, Joe Whitetree is played by Jimmy Herman, who is genuinely a very cool guy. Uh, he unfortunately died uh, like uh, half a decade ago, but he's been a extra in loads of movies, loads of westerns. Been he his first acting role was in Dancing with Wolves or Dances with Wolves. Um, he was a political activist. Uh, he he was he was a cool guy. Ripped to a legend. Ripped to a legend, yeah. There's a, I guess, side note, I'll link this in the uh, episode description. I highly recommend for anyone interested in the history of, uh, like, Native American extras in films, especially Westerns, uh, check out uh, Tom King's book, uh, The Inconvenient Indian, uh, which is a very good read. Thank you for your, your actor corner, Wyatt. <laughs> so, after the break, we're going to talk about episode nine, Home. Okay, so one nine home opens. It's Lawrence, Kansas, which fans are expected to remember is where episode one opened because that is where the boys lived as children. Uh, we see this woman Jenny is in her new house. She has a kid and a baby. Um, the daughter Sari is worried about the monster in her closet, and so Jenny like blocks the door off with a chair. It's very cute, and then she like explores because she's hearing strange noises and she finds some old photos in a chest 
and we see that this used to be where the Winchesters lived. This is actually their house. Sam has another vision. He sees that Jenny is, like, screaming. He figures out that it's their old house because he draws a tree, which feels like a little bit of a stretch, but sure. He recognizes this tree. He figures out it's their old house. He tells Dean about his visions, and they go check it out. Um, they talk to her. They discover, they're like, hey, we're here to see our old home. And she's like, oh, that's so nice. I don't want to complain about the house, but, you know, the lighting is terrible. There's, like, these rat noises that she's never seen. And so all of this is, like, typical spirit haunting effects. Um, Dean and Sam talk about the night of the fire, and it turns out that Sam never knew that Dean carried him out of the house, which we're going to talk about. Dean goes off and calls John and leaves him a voicemail asking for help. He's, like, on the verge of tears. This scene makes me deeply sad. And the house continues being haunted. The plumber, I hate the scene. I can't watch it. The plumber sticks his hand down the garbage disposal and horrible things happen. The child gets locked in the fridge for a minute, but his mom saves him. Uh, The boys go investigate the garage that their dad used to work at and talk to his old friend, Mike Gunther, who tells them a little bit about their dad that we'll talk about and leads them to Missouri Mosley, a psychic that their dad consulted. And she goes to the house with them and senses that there's two spirits. One of them is a poltergeist and the other one she's not sure about. She helps them prepare some kind of protective charm for the house. So they start putting it into place and the house attacks them. There's like knives flying and furniture squealing and the electric cord wraps around Sam's neck. It's great. There's lots of scary Lots of good poltergeist stuff stuff in this episode. And we have Dean saving Sam again by finishing the charm. Sam insists on waiting to stick around to see that the house is really safe now, and of course, Jenny is screaming in the window just like in his vision, so they rush back in. Uh, Sam hands uh, Richie the baby to Sari and tells her like the exact same line that John told Dean, which is a really neat parallel. Uh, at this point, I want to interrupt and say that this episode was written by Kripke himself, so like all of the thesis things are because he knows what he wants mm-hmm. from his own show really good episode really strong episode thematically um so sam gets the kids out of the house but he gets got by the thing which like pulls at him and so dean rushes in to save him of course and he's about to shoot the fiery spirit and sam's like wait and it turns out it's mary it's their mother as a ghost and she says uh she she like looks at them and says dean Sam and then specifically to Sam I'm sorry and then she like tells the ghost to get out of here the poltergeist excuse me to get out of my house and let go of my son and she like burns up on the ceiling as she did when she died and now the house is safe she says it in like the most badass way too Mm -hmm. she's She's very very girl boss in this moment yes. yes super cool moment very cool very powerful and she burned herself up to save them and Missouri has a little chat with them about that, and the house is clean now, the house is safe. Um, the house had two spirits in it because of what happened when Mary died initially, it was, like, so pure evil that now it's, like, a, a magnet for, um, for evil energy, for, like, malevolent forces, which is why the poltergeist moved in, and so Mary has just been stuck this whole time. Mary was the thing in the closet that was scaring the little girls, this fiery ghost. But now she's gone, the house is empty, and then, in closing, we see that John has been here the whole Uh damn time. He's sitting in Missouri's house. She's a little bit mad at him about that. She's like, why don't you go talk to your sons? And he says he can't until he knows the truth. It's a great setup. Uh, So let's unpack that. It's a really good episode. I love this episode. There's so much to think about in this episode. Um, Where do we start? 
Should we just start chronologically? Probably. That's the cleanest way to do it. Maybe this is just obvious, but like I really liked that the opening shot directly mirrored the opening shot of the show. Yeah. Um, like I just think that that's obvious, but like I think that it's good. Oh, and then also when um, Jenny is looking in the closet for Sari, um, the shot from inside the closet was yeah. another one like really um, clear nod to horror tropes as far as cinematography goes. Mm -hmm. Still creeps me out to the point like i am so aware of these tropes that every time i see like a wandering cam from like hidden behind something i'm like oh there's something there <laughs> like it's just trained me and then also the fact that this family is clearly like a mirror to the winchesters but inverse like the dad died um and the mom is dealing with that and then she's got two kids one is a daughter which trans dean keeps winning <laughs> um <laughs> that that was interesting yeah, a couple things yeah. about the intro to this episode. Um, I The way the chair dragged across the floor was very good. Mm -hmm. Although in hindsight, it's very funny mm -hmm. that this is Mary doing that. Uh, Mary She's being, just scaring uh, the shit out of this little girl for well, the sake of the it. Thought, the <laughs> thought I had at the end is like she wants the closet open so she can keep watch on this girl, I guess, to make sure that the poltergeist doesn't get her, but I don't know. Mm -hmm. It it may be also, also she's not fully, like, there or, like, fully aware mm -hmm. of what she's doing, and it's only... Because otherwise she could have just banished the poltergeist from the house at any time, right? Uh, and it's only when mm -hmm. the boys... She, she, was a, she was, like, a fiery spirit. She was, like, an echo It's only of once herself. both of her sons yeah. are in front of her that she, like, be becomes visible as Mary. Mm-hmm. So she's fully yeah, which in. continues my like ghost metaphysics headcanon of ghosts are driven by compulsions more than anything else. Of like, mm -hmm. I am a ghost, and so my job is to be spooky. Yes. <laughs> um. Also, there's a when she finds the trunk in the basement. Which, by the way, the one with the light switch didn't turn on. I wouldn't have gone down into that basement. Um, oh no. But uh, she finds the trunk which contains the old Winchester uh, memorabilia. Oh, which she gives to them at the end. Yes, which she gives to them at the end. I forgot to mention that. It's their pictures she gives them over. And the fact that, like, one, it's just kind of sitting out there, which I thought is kind of funny, but also a very weird bit of mise-en-scene is there's just a shard of mirror next to it. Like, this big I broken... I thought it was a window. No, it's a... I'm pretty sure it's a mirror because it's reflecting the uh, the stuff around it. Oh, that's weird. Let me find a screenshot. Uh, I have it right here. Oh, okay. Boop. See, it's a big, like, triangular broken... That's because you can see the frame of the... Oh, yeah, 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 you're right. Of the mirror, that's I weird. think. Oh, no, it's sitting next to what looks like a window frame. Yeah, it's weird. It's just this big piece of mirror glass just sitting there. It's just a weird basement. Yeah. Also yeah. a weird moment for her to open this chest. She's, like, looking yeah, for rats, uh, she's and she's like, like oh, a, treasure a chest. box, let me open it. Like, you're going to get eaten by rats. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> Speak for yourself, New Yorker. There aren't even any rats, but it was such a weird moment for her yeah. to choose to open this. She, like, she sits down on the floor of this basement with the light off. Yeah. yeah like, the the, the And she thinks there are rats, and she chooses to sit down to open yeah, this box. Like, like, take it upstairs yeah, take it if upstairs. you're that curious. Yeah, it's very strange. But it's fine. It's fine. It's, a, um, it's That's the tropes of the genre. Okay, moving forward. Um, one of the boys says the phrase, back home, back to Kansas. Uh, so this idea that they still think of Kansas, Lawrence, mm -hmm. Kansas, as like the closest thing to home, even though they well, haven't it's the only house they've ever decades. lived in, right? It was exactly. that house. It was motels. This is, this is still home, even though they don't have room. one. It literally burned down and was rebuilt, yeah. and someone else is living in it, and that's still what they call home. I was curious about mm -hmm. that, about how much the house survived after burning down. Is that 
Is that a thing that's... Right? There was like a giant fireball. Yeah, it was a huge fireball. Don't they... I know that sometimes houses are rebuilt after smaller fires because the frame is fine and you can just clear out the insides, but it felt like that house was ruined. Misery says that this room used to be your yeah. misery, Sam. So, like, that has to still be at least part of it, the same yeah. house, not just, mm -hmm. like... No, it was very clearly and intentionally the same, the same house. Yeah. It, it's, it's fine. The same way John yeah, survived, the house like, mostly yeah, survived. They just rebuilt. Uh, Dean says that he swore to himself he'd never go back there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which, Baby. Like, My poor little he has meow meow. so many problems. And then, of course, he goes back there anyway because Sam wants mm -hmm. to. Oh, and it's before, that, yeah. it's before that that Sam finally tells Dean about the nightmares that he has and Dean mm -hmm. is... Uh, admits to having seen Jess die before it happened. Yeah, and Dean, Dean at yeah. first is like, well, people have weird dreams, and then he quickly gets, like, kind of freaked out. Uh, he calls them weirdo visions later on. Mm -hmm. and he then calls the it shining. the shining. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. Um, also, I just want to do a quick shout-out to little Sammy in this uh, scene when he, like, kind of pleads with Dean. He gets, like, really sad and quiet. I'm just like, well, he's a little. Yeah. Back when Jared acted. <laughs> uh, when they're talking to Jenny, there's like an establishing shot of the fridge lock, which I thought was really good. Like the foreshadowing that the child gets locked. Like we see that the fridge has a lock on it, which comes back once Richie is stuck in there. Mm -hmm. um, because the, the poltergeist opens the fridge lock so that, and pops the fridge open so that he can go take juice and sit in this weirdly structured fridge which has room for a child to sit in it instead of shelves. Yeah, it was It weird, was weird. Weird looking fridge. It's a weird fridge, but there's a child in the fridge, so. <laughs> My notes say Richie in the fridge. <laughs> <laughs> there's a cute line before this um, when the brothers are in the house. Um, when they, uh, when the... I forget her name, but the woman lets them in. The um, and uh, the kid's jumping up in his pen going, juice, juice, juice. Uh, she calls him a juice junkie yeah. and says, well, at least you won't get scurvy, which is a great line. Yeah, Felt very, very like, tired good. single mom energy from this character. Yes. Um, yeah. Also, like Jenny says, um, I'm sure you guys have lots of happy memories here, and they both kind of look... Yeah, uh-huh. They look mm. askance. They're like, oh, yeah, neither of them have memories from this house. Like, Dean has one memory, mm -hmm. but Jenny has no way of knowing yeah. that. I thought it was very funny how she's, like, she immediately starts insulting the house. I feel like usually the sunk cost fallacy causes people who move to a place, especially right away to be like yeah it's fine i mean we'll, we'll deal with this but she's very disparaging of the house which is amusing to me she's having a rough yeah. day mm -hmm. and then these two random guys barge yeah. into her house of course she's a little bit annoyed. no absolutely mm -hmm. she's very sweet she though is. like she's super polite to them mm -hmm. and she even like apologizes for dunking on the house i also liked how sari um asked her mom to ask them for her about uh the yeah, ghost in her that closet was cute. like that was yeah, very much that was cute. A, a scared traumatized young child i don't even know if it's a trauma thing it's just she's yeah, she's, she's a kid she's shy around these adults, strange yeah. men i didn't think that her acting was great in as far as child actors go but you know it's fine it's a tv show mm-hmm it's hard to get really good child actors. We 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 know this. Uh, when Dean calls John, he says that he's trying again. So this is not the first time he's mm -hmm. called, which we already knew. But like this is textual confirmation as he's trying again. Uh -huh. uh, I notice he he like catches himself and lowers his voice in the middle of this call, which I think is fascinating. Trans Dean again keeps winning, but also just like in terms of whether or not you know he's got actual gender troubles, he's got this 
weird hang-up around being masculine enough around his dad. He's also got his little lip wobbling while he's doing this call. Yeah. Jen- Jensen. So <sighs> Acting choices. Mm-hmm. Jacking choices. Um, it was it was a very sad scene because you mm-hmm. know that John doesn't answer this call. He's ignoring him on purpose. Mm-hmm. The reveal at the end of this episode, jumping ahead a little bit, like the reveal that John is not actually in trouble. He's he's perfectly fine. He's choosing not to go to his kids. Is like throws this light. Like we've we've been treating it as such this whole time already because we knew this. But the fact that until this point that we as an audience. For, or Wyatt as a first-time audience, uh, had no way of knowing if John was actually, like, okay, or why he wasn't in touch, but this is the first confirmation we have that he's actually just kind of a jackass. <laughs> yeah, um, jumping back a little bit, this is also the scene where Sam finds out for the first time that Dean's the one who carried him from the house. Um, yes. It's just, it's such a little moment, but it's so interesting to me that it, like never came up um it's so formative of dean's character to be the one who saved sam and sam didn't even know which makes my mind melt yes um i also noticed because i watched this show with subtitles as i'm sure both of you probably do too uh when dean calls john the subtitles give a completely different phone number than the like audio does oh i wasn't even listening to that like different area code everything i was like what the fuck happened here that's really funny the script for this the subtitles for this episode uh are pretty inaccurate which they probably went from the the script rather than from the transcript um which Uh... is something that happens a lot and sucks, but, uh, I, I just, I was like, how did you, and it's like, I guess it's not a big deal, because if you're, if you're using the subtitles to watch as, like, a person who's hard of hearing or, or deaf, like, it's a phone call, you wouldn't even be able to tell the discrepancy, but it's still, like, dumb and annoying that they don't actually make the subtitles accurate to what's going on on the screen, because that's their whole fucking point. Anyway. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, yeah. The, the scene with the plumber if it's okay that i move on uh is first of all very gruesome very Mm -hmm. creepy very scary very very scary i like how they built sorry i'm just completely talking over you but i like how they built tension where he sticks his hands in and everything's fine and it happens Mm -hmm. again and then it goes very scary very Mm -hmm. awful to watch i literally had to look away from it did a did a great job setting up the clapping monkey too where he's like huh weird monkey and then as he is bleeding out and dying the monkey's like yes yes is is the, the monkey's reacting the same way the monkey is sickos as is me um i thought that the monkey stilling was way creepier than the monkey playing yeah but also i talking outside of like the coolness of the scene i was also like it seems a little bit late for a plumber like it looked dark yeah. outside <laughs> it's like it's That's 6 p.m it is kind of weird. Um, I just want yeah. to say the way his, uh, the way, like, that happens, and then there's just this torrent of blood down the, uh, mm-hmm. uh, what's, I forget what that thing is called, the, um... The pipe? The, well, yes, the pipe, but it's the specific kind of pipe thing that you use to drain know, out I'm the, gay. uh, U-bend in a sink, I'm fairly sure, that, like, he set up because he's investigating the sink. It doesn't matter. It's, it's, uh, it's good. Um, it's however... Good. I am on my 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 glove train again. Apparently, calling back to dead in the water. Why didn't he? Plumbers wear gloves. Why didn't he put a glove on before he put his hand on the sink? That, the sink. I mean, that's why not didn't really going to help. But on. like, still. no, no, no. It's not even about helping. It's like sinks are the dirtiest thing in the world, 
and like his hand came up and it was completely clean. It was weird. Yeah, it's nasty. Also, I don't know if this was just me, but it seemed like it was implying that something nipped at his fingertips because like he pulled it up like something had touched him. Oh, I missed that. Um, That's funny. I don't. I don't the know. Poltergeist that. Not looking just giving like, so a I can't tell poltergeist. You. Poltergeist is giving a little nip with the garbage disposal. Mm-hmm. Just a little, <laughs> a little chomp. A uh, little frisky, yeah. frisky little mm-hmm. nibble. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was a bad uh, moment for me to t- try to take a drink. <laughs> <laughs> if there's nothing else, uh, I have my next note is on Missouri, but obviously there's there's a lot to chew on in this scene if we want oh, to. Oh, first there's the the old coworker. Yeah. Before we get to Missouri. Oh yeah. Uh, we have John's old friend, or at least old coworker. Yeah, this is where we learned that he used to work in a garage. Uh, says that mm-hmm. he ha- that was his old job. He hated to lose. That was like a marine thing. It has this whole bit where he says how much he loved his family. He he doted on those kids. Uh, so we have this image of John before the fire as like a pretty good guy, which is not really accurate, but at least how he presented himself at work. Which is you know textbook abuse tactics um pretty much like most of the time when when uh domestic abuse is happening nobody notices because Mm -hmm. the abuser is cognizant of the of how they present themselves to the public and act like the the model you know figure uh except for behind closed doors so then mike says that after the fire john started reading these strange old books and going to psychics which is how they find missouri Mm -hmm. because of the journal says that uh, John went to Missouri and found the truth, or learned the truth, um, which is, I guess, how he was introduced, or how he started researching the supernatural and was introduced to it in Missouri. I think this line Mm -hmm. is very dumb, this thing of, like, I always thought that meant the state. It's very... I mean, he... It's a reasonable assumption. No, 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 but just the fact that, like, oh... It's stupid for John to have phrased it that way. Like, why would you write it like I mean, that? from a writing perspective, like, let's name this character Missouri, and then this is the red ha- red herring of they always thought it was Missouri. I just think it's kind of silly. It is very silly, but I think it's genre Yeah, no, silly. I say dumb. I'm willing to laugh at it. I say dumb it. affectionately yeah. rather than last yes. episode where I say dumb derogatively. <laughs> um... First of all, I love Missouri. Uh, she's such, like... I feel like if Dean and Sam had been around Missouri growing up, maybe they would have turned out okay. <laughs> uh-huh. Or more okay, mm-hmm. at least. Yeah. I, I have a note that Sam is really enjoying Dean getting told off all yes. the time. Like, everything yeah. Dean does, Missouri kind of, like, gives him a little bit of a, of a side-eye for, tells him not to do it. Mm-hmm. Don't you dare put your feet up mm-hmm. on my table. And he's like, I didn't. And she's like, you were thinking about it. And Sam mm-hmm. was like laughing this whole time. He's Clearly like, Dean thinks very loud. Get his ass. Yeah, I, I have. there are two wolves inside of me with Missouri. On one hand, she's really fun and I like her a lot. On the other hand, she is very like stereotypical black maternal mm-hmm. figure. Yes, and also exactly. she is yes. the uh, magical black person trope. Extremely. Yes. yes, it's yes, it's very true. Um. On that note of Missouri being a psychic, I think it's really interesting how she's, like, a real psychic, uh, but she isn't considered a monster, mm-hmm. whereas Sam being psychic, which we haven't gotten to yet in text, but, like, Sam being a psychic is kind of seen as inherent monstrosity for him. Well, they're not psychic in the same way, right? Missouri says, like, she doesn't know what's going on with him. Yeah, yeah. she can she can read minds and energies, and Sam has premonitions. It's, it's, I just think it's interesting how... Yeah, they're psychic in different like, ways. Like, there's nothing inherently... Which is yeah, interesting. Yeah, there's nothing inherently malevolent about having premonitions. Yeah. 
you just have premonitions. I just, it's interesting how um, John and also just kind of like the text in general views the premonitions mm -hmm. as inherently destructive. And maybe it's for plot convenience. Well, not, but... not yet so far. Not really. Yeah. I Where, definitely like, am getting ahead of myself. has something going on, but it's not really treated as anything. That's just kind of like this yeah. mystery of like, why is Sam, why is this happening yes. to Sam? Uh, going forwards, it's treated in specific ways for specific reasons that I don't know. There is like, yes. I do get it a little bit in terms of there is a long history of like people, long history both in genre and in like culture and myth of people who can see the future being cursed to see the future in that way like mm. the classic uh oh my god i'm i'm showing my whole ass here what's the who's the who's the seer who was never believed that was like her curse was that she would see the cassandra. future cassandra thank you you're welcome <laughs> you english major <laughs> derogatory i read percy jackson just like everybody <laughs> i didn't well get off your high horse <laughs> um yeah. yeah um speaking of curse uh that's um in hookman so one seven my notes say that Sam feels cursed. I'm pretty sure he uses the exact word. Like, while he's talking to Laurie and drawing out their little parallels, um, mm. uh, he says that he feels cursed. So there's the psychic mm -hmm. connection there. There's a very cute bit where Dean, like, tastes the stuff that they're using for their protective <laughs> charm. He, like, puts it a little bit in his mouth. Very Tenth Doctor of him. Very cute. Mm -hmm. And he makes a face because, of course, it's disgusting. This is so weird, but my younger brother, for a very long time, I don't think he still does it, but every time there was flour on the counter, I think he was under the impression, and he did this up until he was a tween. Sorry, Z I'm totally, like, outing you here. Um, he did this up until he was, like, a tween. Uh, every time there was flour on the counter or any kind of weird substance, I think he was under the impression that it was sugar, and he would put his fingers in it and taste it. That's really funny. And he never seemed surprised that it was flour, but we were like, why the fuck are you doing that? That's disgusting. That's really funny. So it reminded me of him. Dean coded of your brother would be a dumbass. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. I'm gonna text my brother right now and be like, you're Dean coded. <laughs> be like, what the fuck are you talking about? Um, yeah. Richie in the fridge was really yeah, good. Yeah, we talked was about that. Extremely mm -hmm. tense. You get yes. worried about this small child who just wanted some juice. It's like the question of whether his mom's gonna find him in mm -hmm. time, but she sees the milk spilling out of the fridge. Very good. Mm -hmm. Very scary. Very relieving. When she does mm -hmm. get him out, uh, nice, nice horror moment. I wrote down that I like the effect on the fridge. Uh, I think like when it, like there's something they did with the camera when it slammed shut on, I think is what I'm talking about there. Um, I like how when Missouri's talking about what happened to this house and why it's double haunted now, she says wounds get infected, which is I think a really, really good metaphor for, a very cool metaphor for like a haunted house right something mm -hmm. horrible happened here and now there's horrible things i do it. like that yeah very house of leaves i was gonna say i like that when they're when they're investigating the house uh dean's using his emf reader and missouri looks over mm -hmm. at him and is like emf reader amateur yeah she's, yeah. yeah she just continues to put dean in yeah, his she place bullies dean so, so much it's very funny yeah my notes say missouri dunks on dean some more <laughs> <laughs> the next thing i have is uh, when we see Mary for the first time, so I don't know if anyone else has anything about stuff before mm -hmm. that. Okay. Um, first of all, I love this reveal. Uh, it's, I mean, it's kind of funny when you look back at how Mary was, like, scaring the shit out of that child. Um, it's, it's just kind of funny to think about, and I know we talked about, like, the compulsion thing, um, but I do really like the idea... Because at first, like, um, I don't know, I thought it was more textual than it is, but I thought, uh, that one of the 
plot points of this episode was that they thought maybe Mary was haunting it um, and had become a malevolent spirit, but I think that's probably something I'm absorbing from a later episode that I'm transplanting Yeah, I was surprised the I was waiting uh, for them. when the flaming ghost turned out to be Mary. I feel like if that if they had talked about that being a possibility, I would not have been surprised. Um, yeah, no, well, no, I, I thought... see what Ash is going for. I think, like, when I first watched this, I was like, is their mom the spirit? Like, I thought yeah. that was what the, the foreshadowing was leading towards. I yes. thought the poltergeist was Mary, but, um, this was, like, a really good twist. I thought it was going to be, I thought it was going to be the thing that killed Mary, I guess, is what I was expecting. That's fair. Oh, but I have the benefit early of on that it's not That's the same true, thing. that's true. Yeah, I have the benefit of foresight and knowing what it was, so. Um, but yeah. I also, this is the first time we ever see Mary have any agency of her own, um, and she's a badass. Um, I like how when Missouri, at the end, after all of it is, like, done, uh, Missouri says that there's no spirits left in the house, and Sam goes, not even my mom. Like, he really mm-hmm. just wants yeah. to talk to her, you know? Like, he mm-hmm. misses her, he doesn't know her. This is the first time he's seen her, mm-hmm. like, in memory and not a picture. Um, very sad for Sam in this episode. I did I did want to say, uh, when the poltergeist attack happened earlier, I liked the bit where, uh, like, Dean barely ducks uh, out of the way of that knife. And then, like, dives down mm. and hides behind the chair and then, like, five knives slam through it. Uh, that was mm-hmm. good. That was a good, like, action shot. It was very good. Badass Dean mm-hmm. moment. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Sam gets strangled by a cord. <laughs> yeah. Also, Dean <laughs> saves Sam again. I feel like we haven't been doing yeah, this. Yeah, I mentioned that, yes. We haven't been doing this, but, like, maybe we should have a Dean save Sam counter because it feels like it's just constantly happening. Honestly. Um, yeah, and then we we get the reveal that John Winchester is here. I don't know if it's implied that he, like, got Dean's phone call and decided to come to make sure that everything turned out okay, or if he was just there the whole time uh, and just being, like, a creepy asshole about it. But either way, fuck that guy? Uh, <laughs> My notes yeah. just say P.O.S. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I said, bro, you are so stupid. I said, hiss, in all caps, and then, bro, you are so stupid. <laughs> Before that, by the way, I do think it's funny. I wrote down, there's a line Missouri says, I know I should have all the answers, and I, I wrote down, oh, she's lampshading the fact that she's the magical black person stereotype. <laughs> <laughs> Good for her. Um, I, I also think that Missouri should have, like, tore into John a little bit. Yeah. More. Yeah. Like, I think, especially after she bullied Dean so much like I feel like she kind of sees through John's bullshit yeah she just kind of shades at him I got the implication that they were working together to some extent I like I don't know whether that's true but like why is he in her house why isn't he like at a motel as usual he probably hooked up with her to like check in or something right he probably came back to see like hey you talk to the boys how are they doing how's Sam doing it's literally it's so weird in a way that I almost want to say is, like, bad writing, but also it's just John Winchester. John Winchester is just like this. Nothing he does makes sense, and I hate him. I hope you guys are ready for me to fucking pop some bottles at the end of season two or whatever. I'm excited. Um, oh, can we- the fact that their childhood home is literally haunted by their mother's ghost is Brain probably melting. the thing that makes me craziest about this episode. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. The the why you've talked about how fantasy literalizes its metaphors. This is, I think, a great example of that, mm-hmm. where you just have oh, yeah. literally the site of their trauma is haunted by the reason for their trauma. Like, 
she's physically present. She's physically present. She is a ghost. She is a, a memory. She is a force. She looks as she did when she died, same as Jess. You know, like, she's everything that, go, like, haunting implies. She's the, the, the remnants of her soul or whatever. She's, she hasn't moved on since then, apparently, and neither have they. None of them have moved on since the fire. Um, none of them can move on except that she destroys herself to save them. Uh, so again, I guess that's another, mm -hmm. <laughs> she got double fridged already. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> this time it was her choice, at least. <laughs> within the text yeah yeah no i just mean like yeah like she decided she was already she had dead. a cool badass moment mm -hmm. um she was allowed to be a badass. the uh the thing i was gonna say is like well she does look like herself unlike the previous ghosts we've seen she's more of an imprint on reality than like an echo of herself for a while like all that remains of her is the fact that she died horribly in a fire she's literally kind of a bad green screen fire effect but it's fine like yeah. the, i got the intent of what they were doing here you could see the little fabric yeah. it was it's like okay she is made of fire all that remains of her is the fire that killed her except for she is able to manifest more fully when her sons are there um i don't know we haven't seen a ghost like that before and i thought that was interesting generally the ghosts have mm. been also she looks very alive yeah she looks like like you said, she looks like herself. She doesn't have the, like, blood mark of when she was set on fire. She isn't burned in any way. She just looks like Mary. Is that it? I think so. Okay. Um, so next time... Sorry. Next time, we are doing uh, episodes 10, 11, and 12, Asylum, Scarecrow, and Faith. Very good selection of episodes, I think. Yes. Uh, very Lots excited. Emma is already fucking notes ready to go about 112 faith um, well i don't have notes but i have thoughts <laughs> yes uh very excited Dips. for that um faith is when we meet reapers for the first time which i think is very important um 11 is really important i think because i'm just gonna spoil it but it's one of the first times if not the first time uh this is the first time that they recognize pagan pantheons as being just as real and powerful as demons um and other things from non-pagan don't even want to say abrahamic um yeah you know what i mean emma knows what i mean <laughs> i appreciate that you're avoiding the terms i hate i don't yeah. have a suggestion for you to replace them but beyond uh, i am oh. outside your house <laughs> um but yeah and that becomes like a thing much later and i think it's very important also, I just think it's a fun, scary episode. Um, so is Asylum. And it, uh, 11 is important for the plot. 12 is important to oh, me. Right. <laughs> we meet a character who is important. Uh, and yeah. then Asylum is just kind of a Monster of the Week episode, but I think it probably has a lot to say, or we will have a lot to say about ableism and the stigmatization of um, people who are mentally ill, um, but also their treatment in um, institutions. But yeah, very exciting so and next fun. time. That's next time. We uh -huh. still don't have an outro, but I think we should start having one because this is the third episode, so we're going to start posting eventually. Until Soon. next time. Maybe. <laughs> Our outro is just us going. We still don't Until have an outro. Until next time, please yeah, rate literally. and review us on whatever podcasting platform you are listening to this on. And yeah, we'll see, see, yeah. see you around. And again, you can follow us on Twitter and Tumblr at Word of Godcast. in here but also this is a little 
put this in. Put this in for the post credits because I put too much work into this and not put it in the episode. Bad episode. Bad episode. Bad episode. Bad episode. The music used on Word of Godcast is The Last Ones by Jazar on freemusicarchive.org. Licensed under an attribution share alike 3.0 international license. Find the link in the episode description.